Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 305 of the Figure Podcast. Man, it is a it is a terrific week for for pop culture entertainment. Let me tell you, we got two big returning franchises in the same week. It's pretty it's pretty crazy. We got Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, which is our main topic tonight, and then the game we're all playing, the game we're all really excited to talk about. It's Sonic Frontiers, baby, and we got all of our favorite Sonic fans here. All of our favorite Sonic fans. I want to start. With Brandon, how is Sonic Frontiers? I know you started playing it. We all did. How is Sonic Frontiers? You know, I was surprised at the amount of axe throwing in Sonic Frontiers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty early on before even, yeah, uh, they, they play Super Sonic, actually. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Ben, Ben Magnet, our resident Sonic fan. How's, how's Sonic Frontiers going for you? I must have bought the wrong game because I did not buy Sonic Frontiers. I bought God a different damn it, Ben. God damn it. You have one job. Do the joke. Do the bit. <laughs> I got, I got my endless, <laughs> endless podcast intros of Ben Magnet bits, and he can't play along for three minutes. Mr. Sonic can't himself. let it get to the last person in the party, has to crush it before it gets there. Speaking of crushing it and the last person in the party, I know you unfortunately haven't had a lot of time, but how is, have you seen any Sonic Frontiers? <laughs> I, I have not. <laughs> no. The joke is that God of War came out, Gal, and that's that's that is the big game of the week. Also, Sonic's out for fans there, but um, it is a big fun week for for pop culture stuff, and I'm happy to be with my friends to talk about it. So, hello everybody. I'm Ryan Leopolis. I think I introduced everyone already. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm Sparks Witty. <laughs> He's Sparks Witty. There you go. It's Ben threw you off. No, it's okay. We're here. We're here for it. I'm loving it. Ben, just do the bit next time. Okay, <laughs> we're here, guys. Um, we're here. Uh, before we get any further, oh, Ben, your screen is loud today. <laughs> um, uh, ben is, has company over his place, so he will be muted <laughs> quite a few times uh, throughout the day, throughout the night. But hopefully, that doesn't stop him from talking about all the cool things we're going to talk about, such as some of the some of the cool stuff that are in. The links below, of course, as always, my screen rant work is down below. I did a list about uh, actors who couldn't stop spoiling their movies, uh, superhero actors specifically. If we all re- we all remember uh, uh, the Rock saying that Superman is in the movie without saying Superman is in the movie, but um, mm-hmm. we may not remember some of the others. So, so I did a list of that one. It was fun re- reminding myself that um, Alfred Molina would not shut up about being in No Way Home when everyone else is like, "What's a No Way Home?" Stop it. Well, Jamie Foxx ruined it first. He did. He did. He, but he Years deleted before. that first. He deleted He deleted it once he realized what he had done. Yeah, too late. Alfred Molina famously is, is a slut for that kind of thing. He said he literally said it himself. So, uh, Yes. Um, ben, I want to talk about your things Your things next. Because uh, you've got a few, a few links in the description, including two Basement Arcade episodes. Why don't you talk about the two Basement Arcade episodes first yes so um over, yeah so over was it this past yeah this it was this week right or mm-hmm. what well over the past few weeks uh ryan and i have been getting back at it in the lands between for elden ring and he helped me fight the last of the dragon lords and fi- also helped me in my quest to become elden lord and you could see us fail and then eventually succeed at those fights in these new episodes of base arcade where we take down at least four bosses yeah we take down four big bads at the end of the game and it was glorious mm-hmm. true glory was had that day 
It's uh, it's funny that you 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 start you start the year with Elden Ring and then like it's about the end of the year and we finish with Elden Ring. Literally end of the year. I start the year with Elden Ring and I end the year with Elden Ring. It's like I haven't gotten any other PlayStation Five game. I mean, I've downloaded a few on my on my console, but besides that, it's like the one game that's been in my PlayStation Five almost constantly has been Elden Ring. Even when Fanny would be playing Bugs next, I have to take it out and switch it out mm-hmm, and nice. switch the games. But Lucky. yeah, we finally did it. We became Elden Lord. It is beaten. It is, I'm like Frodo at the end of Return of the King. It is over. It is done. And you can see that triumph, as it were, in two episodes linked below for Basement Arcade. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. Ben, you also have a Go Nintendo article in the description. Below. I do. I do. Well, last I talked about this a little bit last time, and I'll also mention it in my week. But I finally learned how to play the Pokemon trading card game thanks to the Game Boy Color game that I got when I was at Portland Retro Gaming Expo. And now I'm being roped back into Pokemon. It, 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 yep, okay. it happened. It actually it happened. But uh, yeah, my piece is essentially about the game why the game is such a great tool for people who want to learn how to play the game. And if you're worried about, because Pokemon is a 25 plus year old franchise. I mean, the, the card game itself has had new rules. There is a modern version that people can download on their computers and their um, tablets. So they can learn how to play the modern version if they don't want to go out and buy the cards. But if you want like the core basics, like the real core basics, Game Boy Color game, very good place to start. Not a bad game. And also, you don't have microtransactions, which is always good. You just have to, just have to do the good old uh, level grinding and pray to RN Jesus to get that card you need. Because I have didn't exist yet. Yeah, back when microtransactions did not exist. So the article is about the article is about the Pokemon trade card game for the Game Boy. Very cool. Uh, you could read all all that below in the, in the description in the description below. Um, and and finally for Ben, uh, your fourth episode of D and Dark dropped this week. He, Yes, yes, it did. This one is, um, I don't want to spoil exactly what happens, but we finally, but me and the party finally get out of the crypt and may or may not have fought a boss. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you. And it may also leave into a cliffhanger to episode five. I'm not going to say what's happening in that one, but it's always a fun time. And one of my favorite bits of that episode was when I rolled a nat 20, a nat 20 to try and get through um, like a hole in the wall. Because I'm playing Frankenstein's monster. I'm a barbarian flesh golem who's like eight feet tall and 300 plus pounds. And this is a little, little, little hole. So I'm like, ah, oh, how am I going to get through this? I just rolled a nat 20 and it was it was absolutely hilarious. So just go ahead and listen to that. Have fun. Very cool. Finally, for the links in the description, you can check out my article. I put up one article last minute uh, on Atomic Geekdom. Uh, based on the sad news, we will talk about it in our week. Um Kevin Conroy's passing. Um, I, I I messaged my editor that morning and I said I want to write about this. Um, would that be okay? And she said okay. And I spent the whole day trying to find the right words to put into this article to write about uh, this really tragic thing that happened. I was devastated, and um, I'm not sure. I'm happy with how it turned out, but it's there. You can check it out. You can uh, you can read it. Um, just kind of my attempt at writing a tribute to uh my hero so you should be proud of it well i, I I'll, I'll try to i'll try to look at it with a proud eye next time i read it I, um, I read it it's really good i've never written an obituary before um or anything like that and so like trying to find any of the right words was very difficult it was one of the mm-hmm. hardest things i write i had to write both emotionally and structurally 
um i i think it's okay um uh i i wish i could have said more i wish i knew what to say i wish i knew what more heart i could have poured into it um mm-hmm. but it, it's there if you guys want to check that out um uh that's there we'll be talking a bit more a bit more about that in the news before we get going mag is in the comments of course mag we love you we always appreciate you chopping in at work wanted to say my piece with kevin conroy knew him my whole life my whole life as bat as the batman i assume uh would rent the phantasm movie from a local library as a kid will miss my hero and honor him to do more than good yes same all right who wants to get into the week it's not me i'll go do it um i don't have a lot um let's see here oh um I'm going to quickly talk about a little film called Bushwick that came out in 2016. Um, anybody familiar? No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, Brittany Snow, Dave Batista. This is like a roughly $3 million budget movie. Um, it is all about um, Southern states deciding they are going to secede. And to do so, they send an invasion force into Bushwick in New York in order to capture the whole area and essentially hold them hostage for the uh, Congress to ratify their secession. Mm -hmm. And they were not prepared for the amount of resistance and weapons, essentially, in Bushwick. Um, So it turns into essentially a private war zone. Um, I had a lot of feelings about this. The reason I saw this is because this is this was for the class I'm currently in where we have the people come and talk about it. So we had, it's a two-person team, co-writer, co-director team. Mm-hmm. And they came to talk about, one of them came to talk about making it. And um, there's a lot of impressive stuff about it. I like both Brittany Snow and Dave Bautista's performances. I think they're both pretty good. Um, this was made just like, it, it aired at Sundance just before Trump's inauguration. Oh, sure. um, so to kind of contextualize it and that it's a movie that I think had, they, they talked about like the inspiration for it was the uh, joke that um, the Texas governor made about seceding at the time. And then they mm-hmm. wanted to make like a what if film. Um, it probably played better back then. Um, now it feels less what if and too close to sincerity but the problem with that is that it's not politically deep enough and um i'm i I do want to say some things about it just because this is a good space and if you ever encounter bushwick which i'm not anti this film i think there's a lot of cool stuff they do the thing where um of most of the film with a, a few exceptions they try to they don't try to totally convince you it's one take but they do a lot of long takes um so uh you'll get some really like weird camera work where you're like they're clearly like you know moving around in a way to to blend the shot to to make the cut but um it it is a lot of sincerely long takes which again is is a testament to batista and snow's performances who are most of the most of the film's following view um but there's things that are like most of the people in the Bushwick area that you see, the people who are being invaded by these southern states, they are non-white. They all have weapons. They are kind of treating it like the purge now, mm-hmm. where essentially lawlessness exists and they can do whatever they want. So they're flipping over security vehicles and everything. They are resisting the invading forces, but they're also 
looting and killing people who run businesses to take shit at the same time. Like there's no unified resistance. They're just like, we can do whatever we want now. Uh Um, And contextually, it's very difficult for them to tell a story about the people coming together to support each other. Not a lot of characters seem to represent that idea. A lot of it is that if this were to happen, the young who are armed will just take advantage and it'll be chaos. Um, to a degree where the, this this person was, the director, co-writer was asked if uh, they made the film today, if they would change anything. And they said, no, I think we got it pretty, pretty right on. And I'm like, I, I don't know about that. I mean, like uh, the very first encounter we have with a Latino and a black person is that they're trying to rape a girl simply because they can now. Mm. Um, can now uh is not not the best and like they're not our they're not the invading force they're not the bad guys so it's very like and like any a lot of the colored people that are not dave batista that you encounter are not thoughtfully portrayed mm-hmm. um so it felt kind of weird that that was the response is is there's no there there's no critical thinking about the way that race is portrayed in this film um and certainly by today's standards like that really really stands out even from just a handful of years ago that this is just this is poorly thought out on racial representation for this film um and uh they had this point where with their ending what they were going for is to create this idea that i'm not going to say exactly what happens but like our heroes suffer a lot and the their intention they said in the discussion in the class was that the moment they pick up weapons, they've lost um, because any amount of violence can't be the answer. Uh, and I was like, one, nope. <laughs> like when when the Southern states are invading with weapons, yeah, you, you can't just be like, this is fine um, and not do anything. Like <laughs> They act like our main characters, not the people I'm talking about in the earlier scene where like they tried to rape Britain. So... <clears throat> excuse me but our main characters pick up weapons for defense Mm -hmm. not for like just hunting down these parties they're just trying to get out of the city um and to say that like the moment you have chosen violence you've lost is like such a baffling stance to take i'm watching andor that's not true and um and then to to follow it up with um uh because of that that's why they they can't they can't succeed they just simply cannot succeed because that was not the point the whole movie though up to the very end of the film is a glorified action video game style film it's a total action shooter the whole time uh so i don't think you can like showcase violence the way they do up to that point and then say but violence isn't the answer um especially not the way that they're trying to say it with the ending that they do i don't think that comes across at all and i also think it's the wrong message not that i'm saying like oh violence is always the answer but when the southern states if they were to decide to invade our urban areas and then other states and everything and try to round up all of the people by force Yes, forceful resistance, if you have the opportunity, is the correct answer because they are literally just murdering people in the streets. Right. Um, like, I don't... <laughs> there's there's such a... It's, it's like diplomacy must win out. And I'm like, that is not the point of this film. Um, and to, to think that that's what the ending should say is is mind-boggling to me. Um, so anyway, um, 
there's a lot of cool stuff in it. If you if you want to see a, a, I think I think in terms of like how would it happen in a a area of New York like that? Where would they be? Where would they go? What would they do? How would they maneuver around? Where would a pocket of people trying to seek salvation show up? And and how would an evacuation be attempted? It's really cool for all of that. Like I, I don't think I've seen a movie that's quite done like city under city under siege in a way that felt like this is what it would really look like. This is what it would really look like. It doesn't feel like cinematic. It feels like because of its low budget, this is this is really like hitting it right on the ground. Like if they did it, it would look like this. It would look this messy. It would look this spaced out and sporadic. You you you'd you know accomplish escaping in some areas and then being overwhelmed in others. Like it, it would look like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that there's an amount where that's impressive and how they made it for the low budget they did is impressive. So worth a watch. I politically don't agree with a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I just I just straight up don't. Um, this was really early in Batista's career. I think like he'd literally just got done Guardians before this. Mm-hmm. Uh, before he went to this one. Um, and so you can really see him like starting to stretch something. Uh, this I don't think is a spoiler. His character is um, he lost his wife and son in the 9-11 attack and mm-hmm. after that joined uh, the Marines and became a medic. And he, had stop, he had to stop that because at a certain point like all the death felt like it was too too much and too senseless, and then here he is caught in this zone. Yeah, yeah. And all of that has played really well for for a new to the scene Batista. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, if for that alone, I recommend checking it out. Interesting. Uh, I'll talk about this other one first because I want to save the other one for last. Um, the Lost City with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. I saw it. I thought it was pretty good. I think for the film that it was going for, I thought it was good. Uh, I kind of wish Daniel Radcliffe had gotten to be a little kookier. Um, he's, he's like right on the line of being kooky, uh, and they pull him back to kind of standard. Um, but he's like almost there. He's almost there. It felt that way at the beginning that he was going to be that. And then it slowly gets less and less. That's a bummer. Weird. Um, (laughs) well, we got a weird movie if we want that, I guess. Uh, but I think Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum play fairly well together. Uh, I think they found a fairly nice story. If you are looking to enjoy that pair in a rom-com um you could do worse yeah uh it's it's well made but th- there's no like incredible thing you must see like it, it's it, fluffy it is, huh it's fluffy yeah yeah that's uh, nice sometimes yeah. sure yeah. uh uh brad pitt was was exactly the, okay i will say absolutely the most unhinged post-credit scene i think i've ever seen mm. What happened um, the post-credit scene? Don't spoil it, because now I won't. I won't. Brad, I won't. Uh, my boy Brady Pitt's in it. Has, I've, seen, I've seen it. I've seen it, but I can't remember the post-credit scene. It involves Brad Pitt, um, and it's super, super unhinged. Uh, and I, I was well, now I kind of want to say it just for that. I, I, <laughs> I made some beepets. It's, it's very like, I, I truly was bewildered because like the movie has this like fine point ending and everything, and then you get to this moment and it, it oh. Felt, yeah yeah it felt like they just really wanted to do another thing with brad pitt and i'm like this is such a weird note to end this movie out on this is so bizarre um <laughs> to it maybe should have been like that uh i i think the movie the movie has like a really good uh kind of haphazardness 
when everything's unfolding, the very first moment when Radcliffe gets her and Tatum is trying to get shit together and Brad Pitt's getting into the scene, like that's all in like the the first half of the film. And all of that feels very like people just kind of being thrown at each other and it's super weird and everybody's bewildered and, and everybody's like kind of running their own path. And then when things like tamper down to just uh, Bullock and Tatum kind of together, uh, it's not that the movie gets bad or anything. It's just that it it, it becomes much more on a path and wrote than kind of the really bizarre setup of what the first half of the film is and how weird it is, how these characters are coming together, especially like, again, Radcliffe feels very off mm-hmm. and kooky in the beginning. And that slowly starts to become more, more standard. Um, Brad Pitt is a, is a bizarre inclusion to begin with uh, for the way that he's included in the film. Um I, I, this is not a spoiler. This is the, he's, he, I, I thought that he was going to be like a third act cameo. He is a first act cameo. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Tatum knows him in his personal life. He was like a meditation trainer guy. And he's like, yeah, he's also like an ex Navy seal. So he's the guy he calls and says, um, my friend, the book author has been kidnapped. And he's like, you, you hear Brad Pitt on the phone eating an apple or something. And just like, yeah. People are hungry. So where'd you go? I mean, like, and you hear like the slurping of him yeah, eating yeah. it, and you're not seeing him yet. And he's like, "Sure, bring your phone. I'll uh, GPS it or whatever." And like, he's so nonchalant. Like, not only that, like, yeah, I'll do this. No big deal. It, like, he does this all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he literally like has this bit where he's like, "And hey, uh, you know, when this goes well, your next rescue is free." Um, all this <laughs> just he's such a he's such a weird appearance in this movie um and and then i i kind of wish that that really unexpected weird energy had maintained for the rest of it and it it just got to something that's pleasant nice to watch uh but but nothing like exceptional um anyway that's plenty about the lost city the really important thing i want to talk about is a little movie called the fablemans uh that i got to go to an early screening for and i don't want to spoil and i don't want to overhype but holy shit um uh spielberg hasn't been more in his bag i don't even know anymore like uh this is truly there's films i've missed in the time between what i'm about to say um notably west side story but i don't think spielberg's made a film this good since munich maybe even earlier it's been a while since i've seen munich but it's definitely at least like munich is the last like tentpole good one as a director that i can look to and be like this is definitely like tops everything that he's done since then which is which is a little over 15 years um he came back he came for this one really really hard um really recommend people go see it uh super emotional there's not a, a bad actor in the cast i don't think there's a wasted moment of the film it's one of my favorite michelle williams performances um paul dano is bookending this year with two polar opposite performances between the batman and this uh and he's exceptional in both um he's he's definitely giving a performance where he's doing a lot with no words um Mm -hmm. it's a lot of what this performance is um for those who don't know it is not an autobiography but it kind of is but it isn't but it is of spielberg um and the way that he is this personal about his family um the way he is reflecting on things about them while at the same time they feel completely human um 
everything that goes sideways in their lives he doesn't really paint anybody as the cause or the bad guy um he just makes it feel like they're all real people uh i really don't want to say too much about that but to say that i find it all the more i would find this impressive in any film how real the people feel and how sincere and emotional and and with depth and consideration of how human beings interact with each other and how love works in a family mm-hmm. i would consider it impressive for any film I consider it extra impressive knowing how close he is to the material that he was able to do this to make these people feel like really, really real people in a way where he's both connected to them, but he's separated from them and able to observe them. Um, Really touching. Uh, And another part of it is, is his love for films that comes through and it is the opening of the movie is so genius and i'm sure it's so real of what happened to him for how he fell in love with film and how he started wanting to make movies um it's just so well encapsulated visually with what he does with it in the film um again incredible cast uh julia butters um from once upon a time in hollywood who played the young girl in the scene mm-hmm. with Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. Um, she plays one of his sisters uh, in throughout most of the film, um, one of the prominent ones. And she's great in this. Um, it was really nice to see her here. Uh, the the guy who plays Su- uh, Sammy, which is the Steven Spielberg character, um, for most of the film. Because there is a time her. jump at one point. Uh, most of the film is played by him. Uh, Jamie LaBelle just uh, runs away with it. Um really really uh i haven't been this moved by a spielberg film in so long um it felt great he still got it it felt great uh i'm so pleased to say that the fablemans is is well worth seeing that makes me very excited to see it yeah i mean i was already excited to see it because like i love i love spielberg i've wanted him to make this movie for a while i've talked about when we talked about the trailer but like hearing your recommendation is just the extra icing on the cake for me yeah i i am uh this is not shitting on anybody um particularly brandon who is who is for for him spielberg has been an idol and for me spielberg is is an impressive director no doubt definitely legendary in his own right um i don't think i've had the same um idolization that a lot of people will have for spielberg like i'll I'll tell it like it is especially in his recent career where i'm like I, i i honestly was getting to the point where I'm like, I think he's lost it. Like in the sense of what, not like he would only make bad movies, but I don't think he could make timeless films anymore. Right. right. I, Fablemans is a timeless film. I, I oh. promise you it will be considered that. What do you mean? Ready Player One and the BFG? Or... <laughs> I haven't seen the BFG, but like Ready, Ready Player One is a fantastic Lincoln. example where I'm like, this is it from now on, Lincoln's isn't it? pretty good. <laughs> but Lincoln uh, was <laughs> no, Lincoln was after Lincoln was after Munich. Yeah, Lincoln. No, no, no. Before Ready Player One. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Ready Player One is what I was saying. Is is kind of the point where when I went and saw that, I was like, "This is it now, isn't it? This is this is how Spielberg is." He never made. There was that Robo Apocalypse movie that he was attached to for years, and he never made that movie. He's been trying to. Yeah. So he did. He did. He did War of the Worlds in Munich in the same year, and then went to do Crystal Skull, then Adventures of Tintin. I like Adventures of Tintin. That's still that's three great movies right there. Yeah. Uh, well, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. No, no, the two before it. Right there, you go. Um, uh, War Horse, then Lincoln, Bridge of Spies. I don't see what Bridge of Spies actually. Mm-hmm, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's like you're right. He's done some. He's done some good movies. Like I like The Post. I like Adventures of Tintin. Um, but there's nothing that's been like, oh, this is what he came on the scene with. This was, this was. Uh, Munich or Schindler's List or uh, Jurassic Park. Truly, or... truly, yeah, yeah. truly, what I am speaking to is that there is a le- a way of when you watch Munich, honestly, or when you watch Jaws or Jurassic Park or E.T., you are like, ah, I am watching a Spielberg film. Right. Like you feel it completely and wholly. I I saw Munich with my grandpa because I saw him. I saw every movie with him. I saw Munich when I was fourteen. That movie is very rated R. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> I'm like, oh man, this is not this is not Jurassic Park, Steven Spielberg. Oh no! <coughs> I watched Schindler's List. I watched Schindler's List way too way too young. Yeah, I get uh, it. If I if I were to make an analogy of it, like Steven Spielberg, I think does put a little bit of himself into his films mm-hmm, and. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he doesn't put that much of himself into his films. And he's a director where it shows, I think. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he put a lot of himself into this one, obviously. But what the effect has is that this, the moment it's going, I'm like, I'm watching a Spielberg film. Mm -hmm. And I, it it was a feeling I haven't had for a long time. And I've watched Spielberg films in that time. Like it's, it it just like shot me back. It was again, timeless. It shot me back to like seeing his earlier films. I was like, Oh, this is this is the master at work again. Oh yeah, uh, and I, and I really can't praise that enough. I will also <laughs> say I, this is not a spoiler, um, but that there is a I think a very well done amount of Jewish representation and some of the anti semitism that his family encountered, um, and I think it's really well incorporated without feeling shoved into the film mm-hmm. um, because it it doesn't come up for a bit. But part of the point is that they lived in a place where that didn't happen, and then they moved. And so it's it's a change of their scenery that affects it, and I thought it was just, it was really well brought into the piece. Um, and I and I think it's really, really tastefully done. Wow, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then that's my week. Who wants to go next? <coughs> ben, you go. Ben, you go. Okay. Damn. Sure. Uh, I don't actually have a whole lot, but I must say i have been absolutely enjoying my week off work so that yeah that was i mean of course i played Elden ring with ryan we beat the game together we our videos are down there uh or linked down below i've been playing some more of the pokemon training card game really my week has just been waiting up until i got paid on friday so i could purchase god of war and put my reservation for pokemon scarlet i have not played a lot of, of god of war i I must have put in like maybe two hours, maybe two and a half, give or take. And God damn, that game is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'm watching this, just the opening cinematic for God of War Ragnarok is just so stunning. And I'm like, damn, this is what the PS5 can do. This is, this is, this is next gen. This is glorious. And really, I just been itching to get back at it. I didn't play yesterday because i was out celebrating my mom and then my birthday and then i had i had to watch andor because i fell behind as i do and yeah god of war is amazing i don't want to talk a whole lot about it because i'm still not super far in but just the opening scene and the first scene with some with the gods that we see it felt like this is truly a sequel to a film and i'm all for it but it's a film i get to take a part of i get to be the one fighting one of the main bosses 
or the one of the first major bosses that you fight. And I, it's so good. It's so good. It's it, I want to play more. I cannot wait to play more. Uh, yeah, I uh, yeah, I'll wait to talk about it actually. Well, yeah. you're gonna go next after him because I only did one thing this week. Okay. Like, like the only other like nerdy thing I could say is I'm getting back into Pokemon cards. I bought. I bought myself the Elite Trainer Box for the new set. It's a, a trainer box. It comes with like a bunch of booster packs and a thing to hold your cards in. Hell so, yeah. yeah. Pokemon's got me in its clutches. And of course, the the hype for the new game that's coming out next week is already like, it's up here. So it's like, man, I gotta play God of War so I have time to play Pokemon. But then it's like, maybe one day I could just like play God of War for two hours, switch to Pokemon for two hours, then go back to God of War for two hours. But let's be real, I'll probably just like go God of War straight through. I was gonna say, when... Ben, if you play it two hours at a time, you'll never be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I heard it's a long, yeah, it's a long ass game. But really, I was just waiting for God of War and mm-hmm. going on the boat was fun. That looks got... fun. Yeah, it was it was really nice to just be with my mom, my brother, and our um, SOs, and I got sunburned on my face, which that was which that was great. Oh, I can't wait to smack you. Oh well, I good. I hope not. <laughs> I uh, hopefully, hopefully it'll be gone by the time we see each other on Tuesday. So I I also had a, a birthday, an early birthday dinner with my mother on Saturday. So interesting coincidence. <laughs> was it good? Mommy yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Oh, okay, that's good. My mom and I have been okay since my dad died. We're both kind of like in a state of like, let's just get along because like, yeah, this is ridiculous. Yeah, man. that's good. That's good. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much my my week. Beautiful. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, you want me to go next? Is it cool? I will start with God of War because I, I I played a bit more than Ben did, but I have been trying to enjoy it this week because I've had a lot of stuff going on this week and I wanted to be sure that I got all got all my chores done. Um, while also putting in some time with God of War. But I put in I put in some time with God of War. I was very impressed with the fact that the marketing for this game was basically just the first hour of the game. Um, the bulk of it, and I, and going forward from there, like it's compl- it's much bigger than I anticipated, much bigger than I, in scope, than I could have ever imagined, and I'm so excited about it. First 15 minutes, I was in tears. Um, I, I tweeted You love emotional ma- manipulation, don't we, fellas? I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm I'm so jazzed about this game. It is it is so good. I cannot say much that I want to because of spoilers. I know. Um, I, because I know. it does I... it does it, there are point there are port there are parts of this game where I'm just like people need to see this. People need to see this shit for themselves. You know what? I'll say it like this: the Balder adjacent fight that you have in the very beginning of the game was so much fun. Yeah, that's in the first. That's in the first hour of the game. That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The, ba- that's yeah, not what I, I'm saying. the Balder yeah. adjacent fight. Because it's that's like, not what I meant. That's oh, not sorry. what I meant. There's 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 far more that I was talking about that I didn't want to get into. But yes, you're right. That the, the beginning of the game is very good, as I as I said. Um uh I, I will say uh I had a fun I had a fun day on Thursday uh playing God of War and going to see Black Panther Wakanda Forever, just Richard Schiff and both of them. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um that that was that was fun. Uh, I like Richard about... Schiff. When you told me about Richard Schiff, I'm like, who the heck is Richard Schiff? The name sounds familiar. And then I got to that part in God of War. I'm like, oh, now I know who he is. All of a sudden, you're playing God of War, and then Eddie, Eddie Carr from, from the Lost World shows up. That's the first pull everyone goes to. That's right. Absolutely. The first yeah. pull. I mean, why wouldn't you go to Eddie Carr? I didn't I know say, that was his name. I will say that that is the first pull I go to, because that's the first place I like 
I like saw, you knew his name. I, that's the first place I like knew. Did you know the character's name? Though? Eddie Carr. Yeah, yeah. I like Lost World way more than you. Right. He's one of the saddest best because he's just trying to get the tranquilizer gun out, but it's caught on. No, the that's fair. He gets ripped in two by two T Rexes. It's a cool death. It's a sure. sad death. Absolutely. Yes, I remembered him when I was a kid. I had a toy of him, and that was well, so he like, got a toy, so like, and that's fair. So like when okay. people are talking about Richard Schiff. I yeah. will usually think of that first because it's the first time he stood out to me that's as an fair. actor. Okay, that's yes. fair. Okay. Question. Of course, it's West Wing. It's West Wing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. He was in West Wing. Yes. The question. Question on the action figure. Does the action figure split in two? No, no he did not. No. It's a kid's he toy. Did, he did, however, go inside a T-Rex. So, like, there was a big T-Rex. It ate the toy. Yum, you yum, could yum. get back out of the stomach. I had the same toy. Amazing. That's pretty. That's pretty fun. Don't you just uh, love it when toys play replay gruesome deaths? I had your, more. I ha- I had more toys related to the Lost World than I had of any other movie franchise. It was the right. It, it, we were that right age for those Jurassic Park toys because, like, we were we were old enough to get them and actually play with them because mm-hmm. the initial Jurassic Park we were a little young. Um, <clears throat> but Lost World, we could be like, I really want this and I can have it. And so like that that really played it. I'm in, I'm the same. I had yeah. I had the two trailer set and all kinds of shit. Yeah. I yeah. had the trailer set. I had the thing that the, that they put on the on on the <laughs> on the on the bumpy head on Friar Tuck. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, Amazing. Anyway anyway really really like god of war so far um it's a lot of fun the gameplay is, is smooth as silk as is the first one it's basically the same gameplay they've added some stuff obviously um it's it's very fun i cannot wait to keep going with it it's an obsession after i read the book club this morning after i read the book club today i was like i can get in an hour or two of god of war right so i want to say grayson's in the chat hi grayson he also says gow is so amazing but playing it since it came out and also he also had the giant rv set of for a lost world so uh, i yeah. i will say also i did eddie car also stands out to me because like every character i knew the name of it because i played non-stop when it came out the chaos island rts lost mm-hmm. world game for the pc mm-hmm. and you have all the lost world characters they had all of them voiced by uh their actors i think except for um sarah uh if i remember correctly there's no gymnastics girl um no no, sarah, no sarah, sarah uh she was there oh. she was, just wasn't voiced by um julianne Moore. oh that's, um, that's but everyone else was voiced by like jeff goldblum and vince vaughn and, and richard schiff um uh uh and i played that so much that i knew everybody's name in that movie because yeah. of that game because <laughs> i because i went to i got to west wing late if you guys recall when we went into lockdown uh i started watching west wing for the first time um i really like west wing i i, I adore it um but as soon as i saw him in that show i was like oh eddie Carr is in this <laughs> this is a very specific venn diagram of people who would know eddie Carr's name richard richard schiff was my bradley whitford before i met bradley whitford <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's wow. a really good way of putting that. Um, yeah, I um really happy with that game. Uh, I can't wait to talk more about it, but I, I want to get further in. Uh, uh, and and obviously, I want more of us to play it uh, to do so. I mean, depending on what time we end tonight, I might be playing it into the wee hours of the well, morning. I don't care what time we're in tonight. I'm putting that game in my console. <laughs> um. All right. I, I wish I your guys' life right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I want... I, Sparks, you got me into Godzilla Battle Lines. Is that the game called? That's true. I didn't talk about that at all, but you're correct. Yeah, you got me into that game. You, t- you texted me. He's like, hey, I think you'd like this game. And I, I put it off for a few days, and then I, I downloaded it and played it. And there's 
uh, Ava Unit One fighting Godzilla. I was like, oh, okay, that's why. yeah, okay. So like, um, I, I will touch on it because like, my my life partially like related to the God of War thing. Like, I'm not touching God of War right now because I have too much that I have to do for school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm and I don't I don't want to do it because like I know I'll just be sad that I can't do it because I'll have to constantly be pulling myself back. So I'm like, I'd rather not open Pandora's box until I'm ready to actually dive into the box. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. So instead, I tried to compensate my time with like feeling like I couldn't do anything with any of my free time in between school and work with mobile games. And those mobile games are Marvel Snap and Godzilla Battleline. So I'm playing both of those a lot, um, a lot. And they're both scratching different inches, which is wonderful. Don't you kill Pandora in one of the God of War games? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a fun, a fun analogy. Um, I uh, yeah, I really like Godzilla Battle Lines. I'm really glad you put you to turn me on to it. I haven't really played a mobile game that's not some stupid uh, put some balls in a crate thing, you know, like a, for a while. So I've never I haven't played one of these. Um, and I'm I'm obsessed with. I just got a notification that one of my expeditions is done. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, I wonder what monsters I got. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm after we're done. Because you, you do these expeditions, you like you fight these battles, and then if you win, you get these expeditions, and you could get expeditions other ways. Um, and then those expeditions like give you more monsters, like Mechagodzilla. I just got Gigan. Um, mm-hmm. Ava Unit One is the 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 big one that you're that you're allowed to get this season because they're doing a collab for Shin Japan Heroes. Um, Ultraman was I think the last one because I've seen I've faced a few Ultramans and uh, he's very annoying. Uh, I just got Kiru. Kira's yeah. fun. King Caesar. That's a good one. I like it a lot. I like Godzilla Monsters, so I'm just collecting Godzilla Monsters. I'm having a good time. Yeah, I won't say too much here because it's definitely a game I suspect I'll say a bit about when we do our pause menu quarterly at the end of the year. Um, but I, I do think it's very lovingly crafted for Godzilla fans. Like I, I've played and, and seen some other Godzilla mobiles that I think are very, very service level. This one has a lot of thoughtful deep cuts. The like all the monsters have their sounds in the game. There's a lot of music from the series, including from Decisive Battle from Evangelion is in there. Um, e- even the Evangelion deep cuts, and I assume the Ultraman ones are mm-hmm. are really thoughtful and well crafted because they're they're trying to pull in as many things as possible that they can fit into this tiny mobile game to be referencing all these different pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it shows a lot of like. It, it, clearly, the team that's involved is fans of like every avenue of of all of these kaiju properties mm-hmm. yeah and uh i just got singular point jet jaguar um who's pretty cool i like him a lot um and i i apparently you can unlock the monsterverse godzilla and kong um yeah they're there so yeah i'm i'm working hard i'm working hard to get more of these guys <laughs> gotta grind it it's all to get you um but it's fun because like you're rewarded for playing the game even if you don't even if you don't put money in you are still rewarded for this game you still get these expeditions you still can unlock them the more levels you get the more the more monsters you can unlock the the more stars you can unlock it feels really rewarding playing the game i will say that's something i like about both of them marvel snap and godzilla battle line neither of them are mobile games where i feel like i never need to put money into them marvel snap is like one like their battle, their like their like progression thing literally goes for thousands of like. Yeah. You will never stop running out of cards or things to unlock ever. Yeah. Like literally ever because they're always adding more shit. So like, that's that is a great progression wheel, I think. Yeah. Um. Battle line. Uh. The way that battle line works is, um, the more battles you win, you increase rank. When you increase every ten ranks, you unlock, um, new battle pieces to be discovered in the collection, which means like you can you are going on expeditions to discover pieces. You will not be able to uncover that tier until you're at that rank mm-hmm. and then you will find them but there's no amount of like 
paying anything isn't going to increase like uh, you know it's just playing the game you just play the game and then more pieces will come your way yeah, yeah um and and i think both are good systems for that i think they're both very engaging with the you do not have to put put money in this to have fun right i'm glad yeah. more because i i like to i i dabble in all, all the newer ones and they're <coughs> and they're getting better and better about making you want to play not and like not have to spend money if you don't want to and like they will you know, they will always have the options there for you mm -hmm. but like most of the new Marvel games that I played, like you don't have to spend money. You'll grind for months of your life, but like the game's fun enough, real check every day, and it's not that yeah. big of a deal. And I'm like, you know what? That is a, that is a decent system. Like if you don't mind me not paying, then no big deal. And Sparks brought up the, how like it loving how lovingly crafted the game feels. So I, I have Mothra, and if you put Mothra on the field it's the larva form and at the longer it's on the field, it evolves mm -hmm. and eventually it will evolve into Mothra. Um, and Shin Godzilla is the same way. The longer that the, the larva Shin Godzilla, like the, the goopy worm thing is on the field, it will evolve into, and then become Shin Godzilla. And then after that, from then on, you can, you, you just summon those pieces. So if you can strategically get those pieces on the field long enough, you can have very powerful pieces in your arsenal. Uh, it's very it's it's very cool. I like it a lot. Thank you, Sparks. Um, I I'll keep it with Godzilla because I watched Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. This is the fourth Mechagodzilla <laughs> film, technically. Yeah, I think so. Because there's Godzilla vs Mechagodzilla, Terra Mechagodzilla, Godzilla vs Mechagodzilla two, and then Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. Yeah. Um, this was playing in theaters for Godzilla Day, and I missed it. And I saw, but I owned it, so I wanted to check it out anyway because I hadn't seen it in a while. This is the one where they use Godzilla, the original 1954 Godzilla's bones, to construct Mechagodzilla. Love it, and it's a really cool idea. Um, I like the idea a lot. I really like the characters. I was surprised at how little they do with the idea, though. Watching it, like. When Kiru, that's what they call him, that's what they call Mechagodzilla in this one, Kiru, when he shows up the first time, Godzilla's like, what the hell is this? And they make this whole point of like, this is a Godzilla. We haven't seen a Godzilla since 1954. We need to figure out how to destroy this new Godzilla. Um, and so like, this is, so like, he, so Godzilla roars and then the DNA inside Kiru awakens and he becomes Godzilla again until the two hour time limit is up. He just, the, the Mechagodzilla just goes on a rampage. And that's a really cool idea. And then they're like, I figured out how we can fix it. They fix it. Then the next time he goes, then the next time they do it, he's fine. He's not, he's no longer got the, the trigger in him and he's just Mechagodzilla. And what, it just becomes a Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla film. I like that scene. I think that battle is a really cool battle because they do this thing like, un, they un, like unlock his potential and becomes like a Power Ranger villain all of a sudden. Uh, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, but it was weird to me watching it for the first time in many years how little the DNA of the original Godzilla played into the plot of that movie. I thought it was a much bigger aspect of the plot uh, going back, going back into it. Um, it. It's still a good movie though. I liked it quite a bit. Um, famously, it's actually a plot from the 2000 animated series that we made where we built cyber Godzilla out of the corpse of the original of the 1998 Godzilla. Also a good idea. Also mm -hmm. a good idea. I like that. I like that episode a lot. Cool. I watched that. I also did Director by Night, which is the Michael Giacchino, uh, Giacchino um, uh, documentary. Um, I also watched that. Yeah, about about. Um, I 
went into it not knowing what it was. I assumed it was going to be like another assembled. Like this is what we did for World Open. But it's a really it's a really personal documentary about Giacchino and his family. Made I by do, his brother. Made by his brother. I do think it leans too hard on his brother. I think it's, it's too much on his brother. I agree. Too much. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's. I'm so glad he did because, like, I was kind of, I was hearing a lot of people like, "Oh, it's so sweet." It's like, I think it's a little too much on his brother. Yeah, it's it's an hour long, and this the math might be wrong, but it feels like sixty percent Giacchino, forty percent TV show that you want to watch. Yeah, Uh, and the first the first thirty minutes of it is really sweet. It's like him talking to his mother, uh, uh, going through. There's a lot. Michael Giacchino uh, documented every single day of his life with a like a like a camera. Like he is in love with film and movies, and like going into that is very beautiful and very lovely. <laughs> but like I kind of came here to watch mo- the, the how you made man thing look real, and th- it's I feel like it's less than half the show, and it's more about Giacchino, which is nice. But honestly, by the 45 minute mark, I was like kind of over it. Yeah, there was a there's a there's a uh, a good two minute scene, which doesn't sound like a long time, but it felt like it went on for a while of just uh, his Giacchino's brother. I forgot the guy's name, Anthony Giacchino, um, who learning what the light switch does, learning what a light switch on set does. And it's like it rings the bell. And so, like, it's a lot of him talking to this guy who flips the switch and being like, can I flip the switch? And he does it poorly. And, And we're we're on that for a while. And I was like, oh, why, what are we doing here? Why are we spending any time on this light switch? It, it feels like when, when Michael Giacchino got to make this, he was like, Hey, you have to let my brother do the documentary thing. Cause like, he has like, he has experience doing it in the past, but like it, it, it I, I really wanted more of the TV show and I feel like we didn't get much of it. Yeah. I, I do hope that they still make an assembled episode of it. I'm sure they will because of how, how much this is about Michael Giacchino. Yeah. Um, um, so I'm looking forward to that. And I do, I did really like seeing the kind of like passion for film Michael Giacchino had that I didn't know all like his backstory about with film and how passionate he went to Juilliard and like all these things. Like I didn't know a lot of that. And I was happy to learn all that. Same. But I just think his brother spent too much time on the wrong things. And frankly, I think he spent too much time on himself. I, uh, I agree. So. Yeah. Like after like the 12th mom check-in, I'm like, no, I get it. Yeah, they're close. No, I get it. I get it. It's very cute. Um, so I watched. I finished actually just now. Uh, I finished the season of Peter Capaldi's first season of Doctor Who, Ooh. and it's it's fine. It's a lot of I don't know. It's really angry. Um, Stephen Moffat's first uh, Peter Capaldi Doctor Who season is really angry, and I get like you know Capaldi's like the 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 kind of like um rough old older doctor and i like how capaldi's playing the character i like watching him play the character i think he's fun and i think he's bringing a lot of fun energy to that role i like uh clara jenna coleman um i like her i think they play off well together i think the story the plot lines of the season were really kind of like not quite there there's some there's a lot of stuff about how the doctor all of a sudden thinks soldiers are the worst thing in the world uh, worst things in the universe. There's nothing worse than a soldier. And mm. I'm like, I don't know if I, none of your predecessors ever felt this strongly about soldiers. This is kind of weird that this is coming, that this is just coming out of nowhere to make some weird story about how you're prejudiced against Clara's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, that's fine. So like that, it was all, it, it just kind of felt like I remembered why I stopped watching it in the first place. Cause I was at that point, I had seen a lot of doctor who and I was just kind of like, you know what, maybe it's not for me anymore. 
I'm going to keep going this time. I'm determined to keep going. I'm going to push through again. I liked the first two episodes of his next season and I, I was interested in, I was interested in going back eventually. So I'm sure I'm hoping that that season will be a stronger season. Um, and by all accounts it is. So mm-hmm. I do, I do like that. They brought back Kate Bishop, not Kate Bishop, Kate Stewart, uh, Kate Lethbridge Stewart, who is uh, the daughter of um, the brigadier from the original series who is the doctor's best friend. There's this really sweet moment where like, excuse me, the car behind me. Um, there's this sweet moment where like all the, all of earth's dead people have become Cybermen, and, um, and, and Kate gets thrown out of a plane and caught by a Cyberman. Turns out that was the brigadier. And it's a really sweet moment between the doctor and the Cyberman brigadier. Um, because the actor who played that character had passed away uh, sometime uh, prior to the airing of that episode. Um, so I like that. I do like the inclusion of Kate of Kate Stewart. Too many Kates in this in, in media. Too many Kates. Anyway, uh, Mask of the Phantasm. I will talk about briefly because I rewatched Mask of the Phantasm, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which is an amazing, an amazing movie. I'm yeah, constantly yeah. blow away, blown away by how good that movie is. It's unlike any animated film at the time. Um, it's so intimate and so they they like nail the noirness of it. Like they they they, they nail it better than the show does. I think in a lot of ways, um, because they had a bigger budget and there's a lot more movement going with the going into the movie. I like what's that noise? Somebody peeing. <laughs> Somebody peeing inside. Ben, is that is that oh, the aquarium? No, that's my roommate's aquarium. Let's mute the mute it real quick. Yeah, made it real quick. Um, we don't need to hear peeing on the stream. No, it's it's not something I can. It's not something I can't mute. That it's not. Never mind. You can mute you. Anyway, I really like Mask of the Phantasm. I think it's. I mean, I think we all like Mask of the Phantasm. It's a it's a it's a great movie. Kevin Connor, one of Kevin Connor's best performances as Bruce Wayne, Batman. Um, I watched it obviously because of what we're going to talk about soon. Um, yeah. Okay. Done. Ryan, it's me. I've played. A day's worth of God of War. Uh, it's a pretty good game. Um, I I played 24 hours of God of War because one, I'm borrowing his copy and I want to beat it. Just, not that he's pressuring me or anything, but I just want to beat it and then he can have it whenever he wants it. Because like now that I'm in it, I want to beat it. Um, I think now that I'm 24 hours in, it's 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 incredible. And Brandon, you were talking about how like, oh Ben, you haven't seen anything. Brandon, you've you've literally seen not you haven't seen anything. <coughs> Good. Oh, oh my god. That um, gets my heart pumping. I, I will I, I'm gonna be honest. I was I was not worried, but um it took 12 hours. I I think uh it's it's it is double the length of the first game. It is you are traversing a lot of the same places but altered. It is <coughs> it is not a it is not the PS5 sequel I would have hoped for, but now that my expectations are lowered, not that not that it's bad in any way, I promise you, but like now that I know it, they said it themselves, this is a PS4 game that looks like a PS5 game for us. Um, I think it takes a little while to get going. I think it doesn't need to take 12 hours to get to, because again, this is not a trilogy of games. This is the only time that we're getting this Norse story, right? So the fact that it takes us a little long to get to where we're going, to me, I felt I felt a little bit of pacing problems, and I know I'm not the only person on the internet who feels that, and I'm glad because like it's not like anything I'm doing is bad. I'm having a great time playing it, but you're taking quite a long time to get to the end of this. To like you're taking your time 
and and using the time and places i don't think you, sh you should have wasted it on either specific characters because where their arcs end up or side quests which i feel are more important and certain characters i feel get left to the wayside instead of being brought into the real quest um now that i'm at 24 hours though um the combat was very similar for a long time and then i hit a point where where shit just changes it just changes and and it is like it it's why did it take so long to get here oh my god holy shit it is so good i can't believe it it will not be uh, oh man um um i will stop here by saying yeah it is it is going to be some people's game of the years even with elden ring out and and i i might not be that person but if it's heading as good as it is it's going to be a challenge it's going to be a challenge um specifically <laughs> i'll i'll say it makes me feel like i'm playing old god of war games at times oh and, I'll, and i won't go any further than that because this game surprised me it is took i think it took longer to get there because i feel like midway through development they're like we're not going to make this a trilogy we're going to make this two one game and i think it, it, it they could have cut some stuff or put stuff in other places but once you get to the point where shit starts going real the next 12 to 20 hours are are the game of the year shit that everyone is going to be talking about um there's a point specifically where it felt like i was playing god of war 3 again and i'm like i never thought i'd be like here in in, in this god of war um, you know what i think i know what that means and that gets me very excited i you there's no way you could know unless you read spoilers no no no. there's something that i want this game to do and, it, okay. and i'm going to, i'm going to assume that's what you're saying and if i'm wrong i'll be happy if I'm right, I'll be wrong. <laughs> i didn't so. i didn't know where this game was going to go and the the thing that most surprised me is because like they can do spectacle beautifully and all this stuff. It's it's the combat that I was most curious about. And there's just you get to a point in the game where there's the the robust amount of things you could do is 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 almost un untainable. You have so much you can do. It's it's insane. Like it is I I wish the game lessened the time it took to get there because this is the last time we're gonna get a game like this. But the fact that we did get there, like, oh man, like I cannot wait for all of us to play it. I just can't wait for all this to play it. It's going to be great. Well, I'm very excited. Yeah. And while I real quickly plug in the thing that I should have plugged in Ooh, when we one more fun thing. This. Um, there are so many more celebrity fun cameos that play that play characters and like there are a lot of new characters. Obviously, a lot of them played by famous people. Uh, and not not uh, uh not like your traditional who you think you cast in a video game role. So like um, some of them have been spoiled online already. I know you know one of them. Um. When I saw them in in game and it looked just like the actor, I'm like, oh, that's pretty sweet. Look at that. Um, really, really, really surprised and happy that that I, this game I thought was not going to come out this year is not only out this year and like really good, really good. You know, in hindsight, I was thinking about this like the fact that they we didn't hear a, we we got like the first trailer. I think we had the first we got like a teaser that those was coming years ago. Yeah. And then we then we didn't get anything until like the trail until like a few months ago. And I think that led us all to believe that we weren't getting in this game this year. But in hindsight, I kind of appreciate the marketing for this film, for this uh, game, because it, it it was silent until they knew that the game was coming this year. And then they started yeah. marketing and be like, no, it's coming this year. We haven't said anything because we were waiting to, to know for sure. Yeah. Uh, and again, I cannot wait to have our our you know basement arcade discussion with all of us around it talking about it um i've played enough of it to be like this it, it is just an enforcement factor or like there are over a hundred million ps4s out there so like they can't cater to the ps5 market completely they can't pull a cyberpunk right like they don't want to they don't want to make a game that half your audience can't play right mm -hmm. i understand that specifically with how big god of war is um 
there are some technical things that are like that are just incredibly apparent, especially being on the PS5. That like we have to cater to the people below you, and I don't I, obviously I don't mean that like derogatorily, but like we're you're catering to a to a lower system that's less powerful. You guys have to suffer for it. Unfortunately, everything's going to look so much better. But like I know there are so many fake loading screens that do not need to be in this game. There, the amount of fake loading screens in this game that I that I know are not that do not need to be there are are incredibly apparent. 24 hours into the game uh but that is the least honestly of, of my problems with how fun the game is and right i'll stop it there all right shall we do our bread and butter then cool so seven sad news up top well this is bright um a triple a triple threat of shitty news carlos pacheco pacheco i think pacheco, yeah uh, passed away. Um, he was an interior <laughs> artist for for many um, Marvel and DC books, including you know um, uh, they spoke. Uh, the writer of this book is Avengers Forever. Um, Kurt Busiek. Kurt Busiek. Thank you. Um, spoke about how that book only exists because he wanted to work with Kurt Busiek, and uh, he's the interior artist for that book, which was a book club many many moons ago. Yes. Uh, I I'm a big fan of this dude. He's been a Marvel staple for literally decades. Um, he also did like Final Crisis and the JLA run with Morrison. So like I've I've read a lot of this dude's work. He did uh, uh, many uh, uh, Marvel's events. He did Age of Ultron. Um, like he's on X Men with that before. Like he he worked with Johns on Green Lantern for a few issues. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't remember that as as much. Uh, yeah, he did. Uh, do, do you have how old he was again? Do you know? Sixty. Six. Man, that's way too young. That's stupid young. Yeah. I thought I honestly thought he would have been older. That's that's shitty. Yeah, this dude's work was was I've been reading him forever. That's a bummer. Kevin O'Neill, mm-hmm. the co-creator of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen with Alan Moore, and uh worked on many, many Marvel and DC comics. 69 passed away. Yeah. Um another uh I mostly know him from from League of Extraordinary Gentlemen with my boy Alan Moore, but like mm-hmm. another uh, uh uh 69 is a nice but sad age sad age to go by. Yep. And then the one that broke my heart, no offense to the other two, Kevin Conroy passed away at the age of 66, thanks to cancer. Yeah. Batman himself. This hurt a lot. I, I didn't want to believe it, to be perfectly honest. When, when... Yeah, I, I had a moment where I was, uh, I woke up in the morning uh, of the, this morning at and the smaller Twitter news outlets were reporting that this had happened, and I didn't believe it because I was like, "Well, this is this isn't official channels. Yeah. This is this is a this is a miscommunication. It's a yeah. lie." I mean, and and then the official word came, and I lost it. I was getting a lot of, I mean, I was getting a lot of, but um, my friends who know that I love Kevin Conroy as Batman, that I love the animated series, they were. They were sending me messages. They were sending me pictures of like tweets and other things like how Kevin Conroy passed. I'm like, I'm like trying to find the news source. I'm like, it's CNN. It's that, or it wasn't from CNN. It wasn't from like the official news sources. It was from like these random nerd sites that I've never heard before. So I'm thinking, okay, these are probably fake. These are probably fake. He's probably fine because I, I, my brain would go back to a few years ago where a bunch of people or celebrities would claim to be dead by other people and then the celebrity themselves were like no i'm totally fine what's going on here i was just holding on to that but then more and more news just kept popping up saying that he was gone and i i went about my day and 
I actually had a decent, a fun moment with, I went to Costco to pick up some, some things. And as I was leaving, there was this person who was trying to like sell, um, whatchamacallit. It was trying to like, try to get you to buy like solar panels or something. I was wearing my only Batman t-shirt and he was like, dude, Conroy, man. And for about five minutes, we just talked about how Kevin Conroy was a huge part of our lives and how that I will now that I am now going to be eternally angry at myself because I have seen him at conventions constantly and I never had enough money in my wallet for an autograph. And now I will never be able to go up to him and tell him in person how much he meant to me as a voice actor and as a, a very large character in my life. So, yeah. You guys want to say something? I mean, he, yeah, he was Batman, not just growing up, but, uh, for people who were younger, uh, the Arkham games as well. So like for multiple generations, like some people didn't watch that show, but they did play those games. Right. Um, so whether you're, you're young or old, like he was there and he still showed up in animated movies and he showed up in the CW. So like, uh, uh, we like, this is it. I mean, it's a bit of a bummer. Yeah. Two really different and definitive Batman performances, to be yeah. honest, um, yeah. between Arkham and the show. Yeah. It's definitely a lot more brutal in, in Arkham. Yeah. <laughs> But he could he could do that. He, like his his range as Batman was so interesting because he played so many different versions of the character. He, you know, he's he's the Batman in Justice League action, where mm -hmm. that's a very lighthearted and fun Batman, and he was he played that. Uh, there was a lot of controversy over his appearance in Crisis on Infinite Earths because of the type of Batman he was playing. But he played it and he nailed it. He's great in that episode, mm -hmm. um, and that's his first time being that character in live action. So you can only imagine how that must have felt finally doing that, because he started as a live as a as a as a on stage and screen actor before going into voice acting. The Arkham games are a much brutal, are much more brutal Batman, but still somewhat in the same vein of where his Batman ended up in Justice League Unlimited, because the voice had, the voice had evolved from the new Batman Adventures from Batman the Animated Series. Batman the Animated Series, he had did this thing where he, when he's always talking to Alfred or someone and he's in the Batcave or, or he's in the manor with no one around, he's talking in his Batman voice. Uh, and then when people are around, he's talking in his Bruce Wayne voice and he had differentiated the two. He was one of the first to differentiate the two. Mm -hmm. um, other uh, Michael Keaton had done it a bit, but like no one had done it. No one had made it iconic until Kevin Conroy. And even then, like nobody's, I don't think anybody's mastered it the way that he had it. No, um, I don't think so either. No. Because like every, every, he was the one who differentiated it, but he was the, you know, he differentiated it in a way that, that felt better, I think, than just like most of the ones that have come after, which it's a, it's a hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's easy. Yeah. Um, trying to not go too, too far with the Batman in comparison to the Bruce Wayne. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I think the important thing is that like, a lot of people have said it in analyzing his, his work that like, he, puts on more inflections and, and voice work um, through Bruce than he does with Batman. Like Batman's much like a lot of people inverted, I think, you know, and, and make uh, Batman's the voice. I'm going to put a lot of it, you know, different inflection and tone into. He made Bruce the one who doesn't sound like how Kevin Conroy normally talks. And Batman is closer, um, not the same, but closer um, so that it's more comfortably in his wheelhouse because Bruce Wayne is the act yeah. for his approach. Uh He's Batman. He'll always be Batman. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's 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 very sad. 
that he's no longer with us. Um, his Batman will literally live forever. Yeah, uh, it's 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 in so much media. It will always be with us. Uh, uh, I don't I don't know that any voice performance of a comic book character will ever uh, cap his Batman. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. he, he truly defined it. Mm-hmm. So um, you know that that in itself is very impressive. I uh, I. Uh, was posting a bit about this but i did get a chance to meet him in 2016 and sparks uh, gifted me a cameo from him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and uh i treasure that i treasured that then and now i treasure it even more now uh, it's 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 um he was such a wonderful personality because he cared so much about interacting with the fans that's why he did so many conventions he was happy to do it um because people um had resonated with his batman uh, for as Ryan said, multiple generations, and he was such a kind person, and he and he seemed so genuine when you would meet him at conventions. Um, you know, a lot of people didn't know that. Uh, we've talked about a bit about this before, but uh, a lot of people didn't know that he was gay. Um, mm-hmm. His DC Pride 2022 uh, issue was the first place a lot of people found out he was. I highly recommend reading that. Um, it's very good, um, and I, uh, I I I, re- I read that recently again. And um, he was so private with his personal life. So learning that he died was kind of one of those things like, oh, surely I, surely I would have heard that he was sick because he's Batman. Like yeah. you would hear, I heard when Adam West was sick. I heard when Stan Lee was sick. Like I knew these people were, weren't, weren't long for this world, but this was so sudden because he had been diagnosed with cancer and he was very private. He didn't tell anybody. He didn't tell the public about his illness. Uh, and, and to the point that like, people didn't know he was married until DC put out his, his obituary. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, so like it was such a, it was such a, a hard thing to accept in in, in a way it still is like it, it, it's, this is, I don't know if this is the, the celebrity death that has hit me the hardest, but it's damn close. Mm -hmm. I like, he was my Batman. I, I, I ate up everything he did as that role. I love him dearly he's he's so nice i was legitimately in tears uh uh trying to write what i did for atomic geekdom trying to to process that it happened like i just it was it was it was heart-wrenching it was heartbreaking frankly yeah this is a this is a tough one yeah um i want to if i may i want to bring up grayson's chat because grayson has a great little story he uh Bumped into him at Long Beach Comic Con. Grayson was leaving a hall, looked down, and bumped into some random guy. Grayson apologized. He uh, smiled and asked if it was okay. And Grayson froze when he looked up to see who the person was, and it was none other than Kevin Conroy. Yeah. Beautiful. That's sweet. Yeah, I uh, this one, yeah. I, I can't believe we live in a post-Kevin Conroy world. Yeah. Um, Brandon, when you were posting your... Your your picture from Comic Con at LBCC and um, your and the cameo that Sparks was kind of have to get you. Mm-hmm. I was in her because if I might have be the one who have taken that picture with you and Conroy, but still, it's like he was right there. And also because this is so sunny, because sixty six, it's that's young nowadays. That is a young age to go. And now that and right now we're we're in a a somewhat. Uh, like conventions are happening now and conventions are becoming or people are more comfortable with visiting with going to conventions now i was just so ready to think it's like oh i'll see kevin conray in another convention that's good he's probably gonna be at WonderCon. he's probably gonna be at la comic-con i'll see him 
and now that I'm going to go to the next convention and realize he's not there, I'm like, this sucks. He was this truly utterly sucks because he seemed like the nicest human being alive, and I did not get to tell him that myself. He was supposedly cast in Batman Cape Crusader, the new animated show coming from Bruce Tim Matt Reeves, as Thomas Wayne. I'm kind of sad we might not see that. You know, yeah. who knows who was recorded for that show? Um, so his, his final performance as Batman is is actually uh, a Crisis on Infinite Earths. It's wild to think about. Yeah, I'm so glad he got to do that though. Yeah, me um, too. Like he'll be he his status in the Batman Legacy will always be cemented as this kind of bridge between the Adam West to like the Dark Knight Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he kind of made that transition for Batman exist uh in in a lot of the culture and a lot of the media um and i don't know that anybody could have done it better than he did it yeah i think one of the most touching things that uh for me in like the tribute stuff like this kind of shit always gets me when like someone passes away who had like an influential thing and like it's been like you know back like jim henson passing away and and you show like someone will do an artist rendering of like the muppets being sad about it Mm -hmm. um And someone did an artist rendering of um, Hamill's Joker holding the empty cow. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, like, that shit is, like, yeah. But it's a, it's a tribute you need, you know, where, like, that that kind of real world and art blend uh, yeah. really hits it, I think. Yeah, yeah. He was, um, he'll forever be iconic in that role. As Spark said, his, his uh, legacy is cemented. Um, and it was just, you know, it was nice that he was clearly really excited to finally play the character in live action at some, in some way. And I was really happy that he got to do it. Yeah. I'm sure there's more I could say, but we should move on. All right. Some casting news mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. Dune, the sisterhood. Dune 10,000 years in the past. Mm-hmm. Travis Fimmel from Vikings and Warcraft. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Has been cast in the show. Good. That show's still happening. I'm a happy. I'm a happy boy. I like Warcraft. The Benny Gesserit. Ballerina, the John Wick spinoff, has cast Keanu Reeves and uh, Ian McShane. Who are they the, They're reprising their roles from the John Wick films. Cool. I. I mean, if it's a spinoff, let them let it be a spinoff. But sure. Okay. Cool. I'm sure they'll be in the the beginning or something winston will be in the beginning give her like something and yeah yeah uh i'm i i love anna darmus and after her and james bond she needed to be in that movie more so like her getting to be a full-on super cool action lady i'm all about it I like it yeah gears of war <laughs> a live action film is in the works at netflix cool and an adult animated series is also in the works What's up, Mr. Gizor? Yeah, I think that's cool. Um, Netflix, it can really go either way. I'll tell you it what, really though. Could. I'll tell you what, though. Um, at least in terms of the way it looks, Gears of War is really ugly and brown, so it belongs on Netflix. <laughs> 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 Take that. Boy. Honestly, that's like, it depends tired. on who they get. Like, I'm, I've, I would I prefer this be like a big theatrical movie, of course. Um, but like Netflix things can be good. And again, like I don't have to worry about it like looking 
looking bad. I'll be, like, I'll be honest. Like, I, I really wonder who you get to like play some of your main dudes because I'm like, no, 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 for sure. <laughs> but like, they can't all be Dave Batista. I like, don't know, man. You gotta get, you gotta get some big. You gotta get some big boys. Chris Sabat. Chris Sabat is in that game, isn't he? Mm, I remember playing. I remember playing the first one and hearing Piccolo. He's in one of them, maybe. Definitely not like he's not core, one of the main. He's guys. not your core four of no. Baird and 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 Coltrane. No, I think he's like someone else who's talking to you in one of them. Yeah, man, they can get. I, I, I think those characters are not high profile enough. They can get anybody. Honestly. No, it's not about that. It's yeah. about it's about like you, you it, it, actors who look like that. Like I'm uh, trying to think. Honestly, of, just get Zack Snyder and Dave Bautista, and then anyone who work with Bob. There you go. <laughs> what about you? Get all of the wrestling actors. Just all of them, yeah. You yeah. kind of have to, like, if you really <laughs> yeah. want to make these these men into into real life action, like they they all look like Batista or Cena, or it's, the, they're all true. that they're all that big bulk and that man. armor makes it even bulkier. Until you get to like the spinoff in five, where you get like a couple of guys who can wear the suit and actually be like slightly toned, and then five look more well, like Brad Pitt. Four and five has like you can play as like girls too, so yes. like so it's like everyone kind of slims down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The redesign. Well, because I, I realized like, with the the first three that like it was, yeah, it was a little much. <laughs> I would I would watch I would watch a movie that had Cena, uh, Johnson and and Batista. Yeah, sure, the I would too. But in Gears of Gears of War, hell yeah, I'll do it. There's no way Johnson would See, would be in the it. thing no. about Gears of War is like I and I really like that franchise and like the, the stories are great. I don't think they're necessarily high art. If I'm being honest, so like I no, think, they're not. So that's like, why I think it would be more a great fun. action movie. Yeah, I think it would. I I think Brandon's right. Like the ideal Gears of War cast is like Big all, the four of the guys played by Batista, Johnson, Cena, and and someone else. Someone else. The comedic um, one who's <laughs> funny in the wrestling. Some know. other bulky guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and like you, that, but that's the gag. Is like we got these guys together. They're doing the, the most masculine shit. They're um, chainsawing <laughs> yeah. through people. Oh, it's gonna be juicy. Love it. All right. Love it. Whatever. I'm 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 more excited than not. Yeah. I'm more Spider- excited about the animated show. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse has cast uh, two new additions. Um Daniel Kalua will play Spider-Punk. Hell yeah. Yep. And Issa Rae will play Spider-Woman. Whoop, whoop, whoop. This is the first time people are finding out that Spider-Punk is black for a lot of people. Uh there's a whole comic about it. You should read it. It's really cool. It's Hobby, yep. Hobby Robinson. It's cool. Good stuff. I, I like Dana Kalua especially uh, a lot. I'm really excited that he gets this role. I like both of them. I'm happy for both. That's awesome. Um, yo, that like time keeps on moving, and like, man, that delay was a long time, but it's getting closer and closer. So, like, you know, one uh, more year, one more year, a whole year. Don't say that. Well, isn't it March? No, it's yeah, May. It's like, it's like yeah, it's a half a year. It's half a year away now. Yeah. I hope so. I could be wrong. <laughs> it might be November. Work it up, though. <laughs> Don't do it. All right. Disney news. Indiana Jones. Lucasfilm is apparently meeting with uh, various writers to possibly develop an Indiana Jones series for Disney Plus. Okay. That I'm okay with that. You want to get you want to get the guy who from everything everywhere all at once. I can never pronounce his name. Um, you want to get him to do a series? I'm excited for that. You want to do like you want to do like a young Indiana Jones series again? Yeah, sure. Oh. Oh, I see what you're saying. Sorry, Ki Hoi Kwan. Yes. Short round. Yes. Uh, you wanted to get him for a show? Yes, I'm into that. You want to do Young Indiana Jones again, just less edutainment? Yeah, I'm into that. But apparently, the show is looking to develop to be based around Abner Ravenwood. 
Indiana Jones's mentor and yeah. a mother to Marion, a uh, father yeah, yeah. to Marion. Yeah. Eh. I don't know if yeah, I want that. Yeah. But here's the thing. In, we live in an Andor world. So like I was going to say, we can't say this when Andor is <laughs> the best show of the year. It honestly depends on who's making it. <laughs> that, At this point, it depends on who's making it. Because that's fair. That, that's very true because we were kind of like the same thing with Andor. Now Andor is like the best Star Wars thing to come out in a very long time. Yeah, I just I just need to know so. who's making it because like that that it, that gives me so much more inside. Like, should I care or not? I'll be honest. Like the Ravenwood thing sounds more promising than pretty much anything else I can imagine for an Indiana Jones show. Because right we now. can still have a we can have a young Indiana Jones and maybe just maybe it won't be a CGI monster and it'll just be a young person. I don't want to do a young Indiana again. No, I, like, I I don't either. But also like if you're gonna do. I mean, I don't know what I want anymore after Andor. You could do literally anything. I like the like, Indiana Jones show. I don't want you to do that again or or change it or erase it or any of that. Like, leave it as it is. Is um, the Indiana Jones show on Disney Plus or no? No, it's not. So it not was yet. on Paramount. Okay, so this is weird. I don't know why, but for some reason, not all of it was available on Paramount Plus because as Indiana Jones is a Paramount property uh, as well as a Lucasfilm property. Um, like Star Wars was Fox. So... They had it on Paramount Plus, but it has disappeared within the last month, I think. Um, so now it's unavailable anywhere at this point. Maybe they're trying to hash out with Disney, or Disney's trying to hash out. Who knows? I oh, can believe that's that. a bummer. Like I, I love. I'm really happy for Kihoi Kwan that he's got more work. I don't think he wants to, and I wouldn't necessarily want him to right now. Go back and play short round because part of the whole thing was that he got trapped because of that role mm -hmm. uh, into typecasting. Sure. Sure. And he's just gotten a career of doing new things. I don't think he should, if he'd had a, a really nice career up to this point and then was returning to short round, it'd be different. But like short round kind of locked him out of uh, career opportunities. I don't think he should go back to playing short round now mm -hmm. necessarily. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I just think that like, look, I understand what you guys, well. I understand exactly what you guys are saying about about you know anything can be good but the thing is like andor was one in a million we haven't gotten an andor prior and who knows when the next time we're gonna get since we're gonna get uh till the next andor um so like doing a series on abner ravenwood which is a character who has never been seen in the indiana jones at least if you want to make the andor comparison diego luna had a movie like abner has never been seen in that in 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 the in the movies he or even in Younger Indiana Jones, I believe, although I haven't seen all those episodes. I think so. But um Marion is a big part, so I understand so I kind of understand that. But there were like rumors that he was gonna be played by Spielberg in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I don't think those were true, but that was a prominent rumor for a while. But like I just don't know if that's the direction you should if that's the most interesting direction to take Indiana Jones, because I do think that like there's space between kingdom of the crystal skull and um and and the last and the last crusade where you don't need indie to tell stories but you have you have some room there to do some interesting interesting pulp noir uh uh, uh concepts with a different character even if you don't want it to be um sorry, I can't... no no because it had to be before kingdom of the crystal skull oh before kingdom of the crystal skull this is what I'm talking about. Like, there's room between those two movies, Last Crusade and Kingdom of Crystal Skull. There's plenty of room there. And you could do something. I'm not saying do an Indiana Jones show with Indiana Jones. Uh, I'm just saying, like, you could do. I just don't know if we need to Star Warsify where we fill in all the gaps with Indiana Jones as well. But I'm not saying it's a gap. It's filling in a gap because I'm not saying Indiana Jones is in it. If Indiana Jones was in it, then he then that would then that would then that would be filling in a gap. 
my only reason for saying this is because I think the closer you get to the present day for Nina Jones, the less interesting he gets as a character. So we're going even more backwards in time. So that's even better. I'm just not sure Abner Ravenwood is the way is the way that you should go. That's fair. I, I just again like I I just don't have enough information to even just to to say that I'll, if he's interesting or not. I'll say I'll say I see the logic. If the logic is that you know Indy learned a lot of what he does from him, then watching him do that stuff before Indy did it is having your new indie in the old version of indie essentially and telling like, telling and stories it, you haven't told before and, it, and it's yeah. you're able because we've never seen him before you're able to you have a clean slate you can totally explore this character if you want to and it's enriching a history behind indie even if it's not direct it, it makes perfect sense to me why they would want to and marion's there i guess <laughs> if they want yeah i don't know i just exactly. i i was i was uh i'm I think there are interesting ways to go with an Indiana Jones TV show. I've wanted to do it. I just don't think this is the interesting way. Well, now yeah. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Well, I'm, if I'm being honest, like I'm, I'm very much of the mind personally where like it, I'm, I'm holding out hope for the mangled film, but I, I would have preferred that there were three Indiana Jones films and then nothing. Um, personally, uh, I, I preferred Indy just left alone. Um, but. <laughs> <we'll see. laughs> What if he plays a okay. uh, Richard Schiff? Well, see, I, my my thought would be that that it's a funny joke, but my mm -hmm. thought would be that he would probably be younger. Like yes. we're talking like like going further back in time, a different time period. Oh yeah, that's and that yeah. he's like he's like you know in the in the indie vicinity range yeah, of yeah. of most of the films, and uh and we're seeing him do those kinds of early archaeological experiences even right. earlier back in time, so it's even more of a period piece further back, that kind of thing. And I'm super okay with that. Yeah, there's a world where I could be, but I'm going into this a little more skeptical than I would have if you had done that. If you had said it was, and now to be fair, this is rumor. Things can change. This show isn't even 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 technically happening at this point, so yeah. all of this could change. Hey, I'm skeptical of everything Indiana Jones post the Last Crusade. So yeah, um, it's true. Like I, I don't trust anything to be good. Um, <laughs> James in, Mangold in terms of Indiana Jones. So we'll see. I do want to say I I do like young Indiana Jones. I I just. I just think there's also a way you could tell a, a young Indiana Jones story without the edutainment aspects of it. But there's nothing wrong with that show. I like that show quite a bit. I've I pretty much come entirely around to like, if Harrison Ford's not playing him, I don't want to see Indiana Jones on screen anymore. That's right. Pretty much at that point. Yeah. Uh, so even young, I just, I'm done. Don't do it. Do different, do different stuff. Um, or don't do it at all. Yeah. Too bad River Phoenix died because that would have been a very different show if he, did, if he didn't. It's true. Uh, Agatha Coven of Chaos. More news? More news. Eric Andre and Sashir Zamata have been cast. Eric Andre is a spicy one. He Could... said, let me in, and Agatha said, okay. You gotta do. So, because, <laughs> like, he, he's been doing more dramatic stuff, but also he's, like, the craziest comedian alive. So, like, he can be doing either, and that makes me really excited. Eric Andre in the MCU is <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah, he could be, itself. like, he could be super, <laughs> like, straight panned, or he could be, like, burning the set down by eric, eric like... andre as mephisto is the casting that's unhinged oh, I want. oh my god the mcu could never the power he would have over the mcu oh my god what you know way. what i just want to say real quickly about grayson's comment uh richard schiff as like abner ravenwood in the like as, as like uh indy knew him i'm into that oh like old old man old yeah man? yeah i'll give you i'll give you like he should be he should be the guy who's like bottle uh, bookending every episode, telling a story to like a child, Marion, and then you cut back to the, like young adventurer him. And yeah, da, yeah. Da, da, da. <laughs> Do you remember so, the episode of Young Indiana Jones where they had Indy telling a story? They had Harrison Ford like do 
bumpers for an episode of Young Indiana Jones. Wow. That show's not bad. No, it's not. I watched the Mustard Gas episode for history class once. Yeah. Uh, ben, you were saying something. No, I was going to say kind of like how in uh, How I Met Your Mother, you hear uh, um, Bob Saget. Bob Saget, yeah. <laughs> you hear Bob Saget talk about, but it's really uh, Richard yeah, Schiff. Richard, that, that'd be funny. <laughs> and it all leads up to the famous line, it belongs in a museum. You're yeah. only making me like it more. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Percy Jackson and the Olympians has cast uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda as Hermes. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, he, he, he got wings on his feet like Namor, right? That's cool. I, it's, a, I, it's, a, it's a super... That's a super interesting part. Um, guys, these books are very old, and uh, it, it, it wasn't a plot in the movie, but I'm going to tell you, um, Hermes' son... Is kind, of, is kind of the bad guy mm-hmm. of the, the arc. He's very much um, he's a kid who feels very uh, cheated by the Olympians. Um, and he and his isn't dad that, a isn't, good that, isn't hmm? that in the movie? They don't, I don't think they cover it very well. Um, I'll be honest, I haven't seen that movie since theater, so I don't know. Because uh, he's, he's the, because the kid who, the villain the villain in uh, Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief is Hermes's kid because that comes up when Nathan Villian shows up as Hermes in the sequel, right? I didn't see the sequel. No. Come on, bro. Nathan Fillion is Hermes in the sequel. The point is the point is in the books, uh, it's a super fraught relationship, so it's going to be really interesting because Hermes plays this very um, not-my-responsibility kind of dad, so Lin-Manuel Miranda casting that role is... is interesting casting yeah yeah the the demigod son of hermes is definitely in the movie yeah uh, i also saw it once in theater so i couldn't <laughs> i like lin-manuel miranda i really liked his turn in his dark materials uh, i think he's very good in that show mm-hmm. um so i'm happy with this cool excited for that i don't know much about percy jackson but i do like lin-manuel so i guess i'm good i hear he steals lightning star wars news Mm-hmm. The, the Acolyte, the uh, new series coming to Disney Plus, has cast Carrie Ann Moss. I didn't hear this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. That show's going to be dope. <laughs> uh, Trinity herself, Carrie Ann Moss. That cast uh, already is so incredible. Yeah. Oof. Um, it's got one of the most stacked casts of these of these Star Wars shows, like by sure, far. Better be good. God, I I looked at the I looked at the, the 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 people making it, and it's not the same pedigree as Andor <laughs> is. So like, I'll wait for a trailer, but like that cast is too good. Too good. Yeah. Uh, we also got a new synopsis, which I'll read briefly. A former Padawan reunites with her Jedi Master to investigate a series of crimes, but the forces sorry the forces they confront are more sinister. Than they ever anticipated. As we know, this is more focused on the dark side and centering. It's set at the end of the High Republic. Yep. So, uh, it's cool. exciting. Plagueis, Plagueis showing up. Confirmed. <laughs> um, and then you know, hey guys, we all want to know what's happening with Star Wars movies. Tons of TV shows. Lucasfilm is almost exclusively developing TV shows at this point. But what's going on with the movies? There's tons of announcements for the movies. Well, anyway, J.D. Dillard, uh, who was attached to direct a Star Wars movie, is no longer attached to direct a Star Wars movie. And he quoted, and he was quoted saying, it was not for lack of trying. <laughs> I'll be honest, I forgot that this one was happening. 
Um, and I'm like, oh, that's well, that's another one on the list of unmade Star Wars things like this. At this point, it's there's more of those than there are made Star there's, Wars movies. There's an actual list out there. I'm like, <laughs> that is considerably bigger than I remember. It's really not good. I will be honest and say that um, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't care. Um, I don't really want another Star Wars movie until they feel like they have something to say. Yeah. Um, I'm glad. As sad as I am that Solo gets the rep for this, uh, I'm glad they had to back entirely off the model of a Star Wars movie every year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't think that would have held up. Uh, the Disney Plus shows have only made me more confident of that. Um, that that we would have gotten some like lukewarm uh, entries and then maybe a hot one here and there. Um, I don't. I don't want them to make a movie until they feel like they have a story worth making a movie for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they keep hitting walls then don't do it. Um, that's where I'm at. I don't want to go to the theater and see a lackluster Star Wars film again. Um, Rise of Skywalker disappointed me and I don't want to do it. I don't want the experience of watching Obi-Wan in the movie theater. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I won't, I won't push back on that at all. Um, part of the, the rest of the news, I'll just finish off and say my point. Sean Levy is in talks to direct a movie. <laughs> At this point, I want them to stop doing this. I want them to stop telling us that there is a that they are hiring a director or a writer to write a movie, and then for them six months, three months to six, three to six months later, have those people leave the project and just not have not just not make that movie. At that at at this point, it's gotten to the point where I don't believe that a Star Wars movie is happening, regardless of who's directing it. That Patty Jenkins Rogue, Rogue Squadron movie is not happening. Taika Waititi's film, who knows? Yeah, I believe the Kevin Feige one. I'll believe the Kevin Feige one. That's fair. Yeah, that's the, that's pretty much the only one I'm confident is in active development. Um, I I will say like I don't totally hang this on like Lucasfilm, right? Like talks them report people reporting that Sean Levy is in talks. That's not really on them. Like people are going to get these news tidbits and release it, whether it's you know in in the early stages or in the later stages or whatever. Whenever they have it, they'll say it. So people are going to be talking about who's making what Star Wars movie forever. Um, I think the only one we can hang their head on is the official announcements. And official announcements are like the Patty Jenkins one, which mm-hmm. um, to, to be fair, it does seem like there's some personal life stuff that kind of threw her off on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, also around like the Wonder Woman 84 reception, but something seems to have come up in her life that has kind of postponed her on projects. Um, and she's just not being, as she does not have to be, forthcoming about what's going on in her personal life. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to come down on that mm-hmm. um, i do i do want to say real quickly before you continue that sean levy himself has confirmed that this is happening he was he said yeah right after i'm done with deadpool 3 i'm doing this right sure and the, but that was after like you know it's reported and they ha- they they can or cannot yeah. say something and and that's cool and like cool like that's fine and maybe it'll be something and maybe it won't all i care about is the final product at the end of the day and that mm-hmm. it's good and if it however many projects have to be canceled for us to get a a uh, even a Force Awakens or a Last Jedi experience in movie theaters again, or a Rogue One experience in theaters again, I don't care. Like, yeah. I just t- take your time. I, yeah, I, I do have faith that there are good Star Wars stories to tell. I just want to make sure that they are doing it when they have one, yeah, and not just because they can. I no, I think no, Brandon, and I definitely agree with you. I think what we're lamenting is that generally, like, we don't hear this often how many failures a company like we don't hear how many like failures universal has mm-hmm. like 
the fact that like we did this many and it's been years and again there's like dozens of things that we just we don't we don't remember right now there's a list it's dozens of things that have not come out of big name people coming in and creative 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 reasons they back out yeah and it happens so much where like again like like i also don't care that this guy like like didn't get to make his movie but this is a long line of disney saying no we don't like your vision and like they maybe should try to be more open to visions as well. And that's what, and that's kind of where I'm coming at. Like we, you know, Ryan Johnson has talked about like, yeah, I'm, I'm I'll do it when I'm ready, or or I'll do it when Kathleen's ready, whatever. Like so, yeah. his trilogy is not officially canceled. Although, let's be honest, um, yeah. So, but so like at this point, I just kind of wonder. It's not necessarily that I want I want all these Star Wars projects to have happened. It's just that like. Does Lucasfilm at this point know what they want to do with the feature side for Star Wars? Because it doesn't seem like they do. Yeah. And I understand wanting to wait. It's just at this point, it's gotten so ridiculous at how many people have left these Star Wars properties because someone just doesn't know what to do with Star Wars and, and features at this point. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's, like, it's, 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 <coughs> it is, yeah, like, yeah. It is, it is, it is like it is still a thing of quality which again is to sparks point like they want it to be good but yeah. like it feels like they have like an almost like imperial grasp on creativity where like if it doesn't align to the exact vision for the movies but like the tv shows are doing almost what they want for better or worse whether it's mandalorian uh telling its own unique story obi-wan telling its own centralized story or and or doing just whatever the hell it wants like the movies are not in that same pedigree right now benjamin yeah no i was gonna say i also i really agree with brandon on this one in the fact that i don't want them announcing the, a new thing until it's officially happening because it's like hey we're gonna get the director to film a movie it's like don't tell me you have someone to do a thing until it's locked down the the deals are signed the contracts are signed then tell us or better yet just tell us in a trailer because i like brandon i'm also kind of sick and tired of people saying yeah we go do this thing and then a few months go by, we hear nothing, and then all of a sudden, oh, we left. Because back in the, I don't want to bring this really bring this up, but that's the only example I could think of. Back in the height of Benioff and Weiss, when they were on top of the world and they were contracted to do a Star Wars thing, we were all hyped. It was like, oh my god, the Game of Thrones guys are gonna make Star Wars. This is gonna be great. And then their downfall happened. Now, in fairness, that was because Game of Thrones season eight happened. Yeah. Um, now, now, to Sparks's point, though, like Sparks is absolutely right. Like, it, it's not necessarily Lucasfilm coming out and saying that we're doing these. A lot of these, these most recent ones have just been scoopers saying like this is what's happening, and then the director confirming it. Lucasfilm themselves have uh, announced uh, a few of them, but not all of these have been Lucasfilm announced. And and that, that I just want to bring up that Sparks is right about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just again, it's just kind of it just kind of is, it's just kind of wearing on you at this point. Just kind of wondering like what's going what is going on over there what what is why what is so difficult about about this i have no i have no problem with them taking their time and i'm sure and i'm and i'm hopeful that the one movie that does make it to the finish line is like great like spark said the the force awakens a rogue one feeling like you're absolutely right yeah i i i i i hope and i believe that that is the case it's it's just kind of the uncertainty of it i guess that is, is beginning to wear you know? Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, because again, because like we have something special like Andor, and I'm like, oh, you guys are like, you you could you can do this. So like, what 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 is what is create creatively stopping you from a, a pursuing a movie right now? Like, yeah. you guys have like obviously have been getting in dozens of different people to try different things. Like, what is it exactly you're looking for? I'm just like, I'm curious. Instead of just like, I just think, make a movie. Maybe. I think there's a, sincerely that there is a an amount of like, what what 
what story do they tell right now with a film, mm. right? Like, wh where do they go? Can they um, just not make a standalone movie? No, like, it, it, but they can. But like, you know, they have to make sure they do it right. Yeah, because it's probably it's probably totally new characters. Because I don't know who you pick up with at this point that we haven't already picked up with yeah. um, and would watch in a movie. And uh, I I get that. Um, I think I I think that there's just a uh, whether it's you know them being too protective of the vision or um, them being too resistant to what are you doing, Luna? Um, <laughs> them being too resistant to certain ideas, um, one way or another. Uh, I just I just hope for this meaning that they're they're really trying to find something that's worth doing and whether it is be you know maybe on them that they're being too uh finicky and hands-on about maybe creator's it's, vision maybe or... it's sean levy because he's a great person to work with everyone like likes to work with this guy he's done projects for all types of studios so or or that they just haven't found the the right pitch mm -hmm. um i don't know yeah uh it, it's it, we're we're too far removed to be able to say for sure um i just i get i get how they feel in the spot they're in because like rise of skywalker i wouldn't call necessarily a success to them no. um e even even as it wasn't necessarily a box office blunder yeah uh i wouldn't i don't think they're thinking of it as a success and that's how they went out on star wars film universe and in in many ways like it's a pop culture kind of taking it on the chin loss that they had to stop publicly say we're stopping our plan to make star wars films every year because essentially people didn't really respond solo and people did not like rise of skywalker yeah um like it, you have to having to be that blunt about it you have to make sure that when you come back to the to the film space you are coming back with something that is worth coming back to the film space for and i don't think that they're also uh, ambivalent to what amount of criticism there has been for the disney plus shows mm -hmm. where it has existed and uh that that makes a lot of like whether it is on their level or it's on bob chapek's level a lot of like nervousness and pressure of this has to be done right and that could be pushing back projects or changing things all over the time i don't think that they have a clear vision of what they want to do with the films at least it doesn't seem like they do yeah um and i i imagine it is going to take some time before they find that avenue eventually those last jedi scars are going to have to heal lucasfilm not it's everyone true. hated that movie it's true um, I uh, well, how what what do you want to take bets on on if Ryan Reynolds is in Sean Levy's Star Wars movie if it gets if it gets made? Oh, <laughs> He's been in his last three movies. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If if Joseph Gordon Levitt could be a weird alien in Last Jedi, then yeah, hundred <coughs> percent. Oh, you don't think Ryan Reynolds is the lead? <laughs> God, please no. <laughs> I just hurt. I just, I'm in space, I guess. <laughs> I just hurt your soul. Yeah, I like Ryan Reynolds, but like, please no. All right. I think Star Wars is in an interesting conundrum place with its movies. Again, like going back to that, you know, I'm, I'm, I under, I understand this notion that they are going to have a hard time convincing the popular audience to come watch a movie that may or might not be about anybody uh, iconic from Star Wars. Yeah, because they can't get people to watch the best show of the year right now. Sure. Like they're struggling to get people to even do that because sure. they blundered it in other places. So I understand there's this like fear. And like, I just wish, and eventually one day we'll get there. We're like, again, not, not the, not the MCU format, but not every movie needs to be the big blockbuster. Like maybe make a star Wars movie that costs $50 million. And it's like a low, like a small scale alien movie. 
but it's in Star Wars. Like, why not try that? Because again, at least if it doesn't work, it's a small investment, uh -huh. and Disney's got the money for it, right? Like, I wish they would try more experiment experimental things. Because like, look at horror movies; they cost a million dollars to make a billion dollars. Like, that gamble could work. Like, if, if you just gave it a shot. I think we're I think we're still a far way away from them having the confidence to let Star Wars be as ambitious as the MCU is able to be. Yes, um, of course, yeah. In 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 genre bending and stepping outside of itself and trying new things, um, I think that that's going to be a a slow slow walk into that kind of direction rather than um, a big leap. True. Uh, it's going to be an Andor paced slow walk, and that that just is what it is. And that's that I, I I'm choosing to be more optimistic that usually when this happens, it means that you know they're they're still trying to make sure they have a hit and a reason to do it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because honestly, really? like, if they don't have confidence and they're going to be fighting with the director, I'd rather they quit before they try and make the film and then have to kick the director out and bring someone else in to work on it or just push it out to release rather than delay it a year, which they should have done with Rise of Skywalker. And I think a lot of people at Lucasfilm felt that, but Bob Iger said no. Directed by Ron um, Howard. Like, yeah, all of these situations, rather than be caught in that, like, both Rogue One and Solo, they had to feel the need to bring push, someone bring someone else in to fix it up. Mm -hmm. uh i'd rather that we just nipped it before they even started than go through that process over and over again that's fair yeah i agree trailers jurassic park operations reveal trailer yes i put this in here um i thought this was really cool this is uh, a fan-made game existing in the game dreams um it's just really impressively well built uh i think it looks really cool um I'm just uh, the, this person's on Twitter talking about like building this and everything. I, I look forward to its its release. Um, uh, I I think this is just uh, very impressive for what they were able to design and that they've incorporated so much core Jurassic Park stuff into this. Excuse me, really make you feel like you can be in that world at least from the appearance of the trailer. Um, they've incorporated the original river ride as a featured ride in the park. Uh, and that a narrative story occurs to you that that, that aligns with that, but is occurring in the park, uh, I think is really cool. Um, and I would love to to enjoy it. And I specifically wanted Brandon to see it, but I thought everybody should see it. Yeah, I thought this was really neat. Um, I had seen this a couple of days ago. Um, I was happy you put this uh, you put this on here. Um, I thought the inclusion of the original river ride was really cool. Like I, I didn't expect it because like it it looks like you're kind of going through the events of Jurassic Park originally. Mm -hmm um and and which is fine and it looks great and i love the sound effects the sound effects are spot on the sound of rain in jurassic park is a very specific sound which is unlike any other uh rain sound effect that I, i've heard except in godzilla strangely enough um so I, I thought and so like he got that he like nailed that feeling and it looked really cool i liked it a lot uh, let me tell you why, because uh, uh, for those who don't know, Dreams, Dreams is a game where you can make any game you want inside of it. It is a, it is a more of a tool. Uh, it is a game, but it is also more of a tool where you can build literally anything you want. You can build uh, racing games, fighting games, adventure games. One of the biggest things on on this on Dreams right now is a fan made Avatar: The Last Airbender game. Uh, there were a bunch of articles written about it. Like it is, it is like a fully, almost a fully featured game in Dreams. Uh, very small community. Uh, it is a PS4 exclusive only game. There is no upgrade for it yet, unfortunately. Um, it looks very cool. Uh, uh, the power of dreams is insane. Uh, uh, like you can, 
the reason that the to go back around to the sound effects, you can just import sound effects and, and videos and, and everything from the internet into Dreams. So those are just the sound effects from the movie. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, it's 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 really impressive. It's going to be like a theme park ride for all the movies in a game. In a game, yeah. uh, it's it's the 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 future is amazing. Yeah, the the the, the fan made quality of how impressive this is. I I just. I'm I'm in awe, and I would love to just explore. I think it'll just be a fun thing to do, and I, I they they deserve a lot of attention and praise because this is this is very impressive work. This is very impressive work. Yeah. Um, they have a on their YouTube channel. They have a, a demo scene from some part of it where uh, what you do know is that um, for a section of it anyway, you are a Jurassic Park employee being radioed by another guy to go deal with um, uh, a power hiccup with the T-Rex paddock while the visitors are there. So like during the events of Jurassic Park and you like see like you are playing in his perspective, like grabbing his raincoat, getting in the Jeep, following the other guy's Jeep. Uh, and you get to near the trail and you see their vehicles passing on rails and then you drive past the rails after they go um, in the other direction. Uh, so there, there's a lot of interesting narrative stuff that I think they could do, but like the, the gameplay itself and how visually cool it seems to explore the spaces is, is awesome. Yeah. I wasn't sure if I should put the song on, on here, but the whale. Yeah, there's not a ton to say about it. Um, what's that? Uh, Aaron Aronofsky is one of my favorite filmmakers. We've been hearing a lot of a lot of the best music, um for Brendan Fraser, most of all. Uh, and I'm super excited to see it because of both of them. Mm -hmm. um, I That's will say that, that came to mind while I was looking at this was um, there's a lot of merit in the conversation that exists to say, uh, let's stop casting non-overweight people to play very overweight roles. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think this entirely applies because I don't think this is like a, a casting a, a Jared Leto or a Colin Farrell and then putting them in a suit. This uh, Brendan Fraser, no knock against him, is is more in a non totally fit bod kind of category. Uh, he, he doesn't look like this, certainly, um, but like it's, it doesn't feel like the same kind of, like, you don't expect an actor to be this level or to need to push themselves to this level to be right for a role. Um, and I think this exists beyond that that uh, parameter of where we issue, like, hey, you know, this is this is maybe not the time, you know, when, when like, a big comparison, right, would be the Batman uh, Colin Farrell one where, like, I, I love Colin Farrell's performance in it, but, like, uh, poor Richard Kind not being considered for the role at all right when he looks <laughs> so clo close to what he looks like but that's like a, that's when it's something that a lot of actors already can embody easily um this yeah. is this is a step maybe a little bit beyond the pale for health which is part of the point yeah i think brendan fraser is still accurate and and good casting because again yeah. like he's not some young fit man stepping into this role but it would be different right like if he if this was the mummy era Brendan Fraser yeah, totally. cast in this I'm, role. It's a very totally different. About this. It's a right. very different situation because he has gained a lot of weight since. Yeah, uh, I really I've heard a lot of good things about this movie. I'm really excited about it. Um, seeing Brendan Fraser back on the big screen is going to be special. I think um, Sadie Sink is in this from Stranger Things. I like her a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. Good. The Witcher Blood Origin. Man, this is like a trilogy of fantasy nonsense we're about to talk about. <laughs> um, oh yeah, 
yeah uh i i'm behind on the witcher but not that it really matters because this is again like this is a a dune the sisterhood house of the dragon thousand years <laughs> past prequel uh looks like fantasy shit i don't know man look yeah i mean cool michelle yo yay yeah, she's cool uh, other than that it's like cool I guess I like what we're seeing about. I like some of the magic that we're seeing um, because you guys are lukewarm. I'm, I'm, I'm combating with some some positives that I liked about this. Because like I, I also found, you know it's 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 a teaser. It's not, we're not really getting a whole lot. We know that this series is about the origin of the Witchers, where they came from. Um, uh, but I really like Michelle Yeoh. I really like some of the choreography that we're seeing, and I, I do really enjoy the um, the way the mag- that magic looks. And look, you know. Filming in Iceland is always fun, uh, and the Witcher franchise is getting a ton of work out of that Iceland uh, uh, geography. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Dragon Age Absolution. Um, I like this one. This is the one where like I, I will be asleep no longer. I like Dragon Age games a lot. This does. This is another trailer of just it's a bunch of fantasy bullshit. Like it's. Uh, I think that this has the opportunity to be good, but this is a a, a pretty okay trailer it's a pretty generic trailer i'm so i was curious about this because i really didn't like this trailer i thought it was incomprehensible that's um, how I felt like the witcher <laughs> yeah and I, want, and I wondered about that like like i think the witcher the witcher obviously doesn't say a lot of what the series is about but this one i think ju- does try to mm-hmm. uh it's just not doing it in a way that the audience can catch on like i thought about this with like uh dota both the bio, uh, um, Dragon Age and Dota are both franchises I don't know anything about, but Dota was able to convey what that story was, why I should be interested in it um, through its first trailer, and I was really and I was interested, and I and I ended up really liking the show. This trailer for Dragon Age, I was kind of hoping for a similar situation, but it didn't happen. I found this to be really lackluster and really incomprehensible. I just I looked at this as just kind of uh, white noise almost. Yeah, um, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to disagree with you on that at all. Um, I think this is a fine trailer. It just I, I have, a, 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 I have a more familiar understanding of the Dragon Age universe, and just like the idea of of somebody wanting to break against tradition and like not, I'm not going to I don't want to be a slave. It's just like a little more compelling than than just nice choreography. Um, but these are all three trailers we watched today. We're all just like a bunch of fantasy bullshit. If I'm being honest. So Pinocchio then. Oh, I thought there was three that we watched. Did we watch three? Oh, I guess not. I mean, it was just so oh, then, then yeah, Pinocchio looks great. Hell yeah! I didn't mean Unless you watch the Slumberland trailer, which we decided not to talk about. No, I thought maybe I just put two in the same in my mind. Never mind. Those two trailers look similar. <laughs> I was I was curious if you were talking about Pinocchio. No, definitely yeah, not. Me, me too, because I'm like Pinocchio doesn't look like fantasy bullshit. If Pinocchio no, no, looks no. like amazing fantasy stuff. Yeah, yeah. I meant The <laughs> looks... Witcher and the two animated things we watched. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love this. Like this trailer looks incredible. I have not been as excited for a Pinocchio film. Ever, ever, no, like on, yeah. ever in my life. Yeah, I don't care about Pinocchio. Why would you be? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, this honestly, after watching the Disney Plus Pinocchio, this would be the best. Just this trailer alone was an amazing palate cleanser to that <laughs> film. Boy, what a what a double feature that would be! Watch the 2022 film in this. Watch, yeah, watch uh, Robert Zemeckis and then uh, Guillermo del Toro. Um, just then discuss, but. Yeah, Guillermo del Toro. The art, what the stop motion looks amazing. Well, Everything I love about... the I love the art design of this. I really Every... like the voice acting. David Bradley as Geppetto is inspired. Everything about this about Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio trumps the Robert Zemeckis one in every way, shape, and form. I mean, it's not really a contest to be perfectly honest. I haven't even seen the movie, and I know it's not even a contest. 
but this is the if I could only see one Pinocchio film, this is probably gonna be the one I need to see. What Too late, you already saw one. I know. What was the what was the, this is line that I really like in it? Uh, it's not the blue fairy. It was just like this blue chimera looking thing. Um, I don't think it's the blue fairy. Uh, I think that's, that's the, blue, the fairy. blue fairy. We see the blue fairy in another in another scene. I think granting... she just wraps herself into another form. Oh, okay, cool. I'm into I'm it. pretty sure that is still the blue fairy. Love it. Happy with it. Excited about it. Um, I really liked. I really liked the line like, "You're going to live forever," but everyone you know isn't. Uh-huh. Like you know, that kind of like bringing in this idea that like Pinocchio needs to cherish his time with Geppetto because he will outlive Geppetto by a very long time. Um, and, you know, and, and that's kind of like idea of love and friendship with an immortal being. Um, I love it. I'm excited yeah. for it. I cannot uh, wait. Guillermo del Toro is a guy who, who we never know what projects he's working on until they're coming out. Right. I feel like, and like sometimes it goes years before a project's made, but like, the past couple of months we've had the cabinet and then we've had Pinocchio. Uh, and by all accounts, they're both probably going to like, they're both good. So I'm just yeah. like, I'm really happy that he's had a really good year. Um, Cause like that dude's like one of the, the greatest talents that we have. And like, it's, it's, it's just nice that he gets to do what he wants. Even if it's on Netflix, like it's, it's, it's great that it gets to exist. Look, Netflix has thrown money at far worse, at far worse directors and far worse projects. If, sure. if we're, if they're finally throwing money at Del Toro for him to make whatever he wants, I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like there's like 90% nonsense and like Mike Flanagan, you can make some nice stuff. Guillermo, take some money, please. Exactly. Yeah. It's great. Um, yeah, very cool. I'm very excited for this. Mm-hmm. Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. I actually figured out why it's called Glass Onion now. Oh. Because of yeah, the house? Because of the oh, onion on the top. Because of the house. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I saw that. Yeah. yeah I'm with you. Because for the longest time, I was like, why is this movie called Glass Onion? And then I saw the house. I'm like, oh, got it. But why, is it called, but, but why is it called Knives Out? Because I'm kidding. The, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh. Don't actually answer that. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> 1945. Anyway, anyways, going back to what I was to say about this trailer, excited to the nth degree. Yeah. Um, I'm super looking forward to this movie. I'm so I'm glad I'm gonna be able to watch on Netflix, but I'm definitely gonna be seeing it in theaters if I can. Um, I'm excited. I I don't know what else I can say about it. It's just that I don't want to. I don't want to speculate. I don't want to. The trailer got me hooked. I'm glad Daniel Craig is back, and I just I'm ready for another Ryan Johnson who done it because Knives Out was amazing. I think what we're doing in this in this film is we're we're leaning more on Benoit Blanc uh, than we did in the first film. Um, you know, Anna Diarmas' character is very much the the lead of that movie of Knives Out, and Benoit Blanc is is like the co-lead. Um, and here, it almost kind of feels like he's like the lead in this one, and I'm not sure that is the case, but that's kind of what the trailers are looking at. And it's kind of it's kind of fun to see that just how weird he is. Like he's in the pool, like in like khakis and and polo shirt and with a martini, and like he's just such a weird guy and it's kind of nice that we're finally going to get to see it just how weird he is it's it's really funny that like they're there they're there to do a murder mystery and then a murder mystery happens during yeah. a murder mystery and i'm like classic I, I, classic <laughs> i really like that our cast because we didn't know this uh until this trailer are uh a group of friends yeah. like a group of people who are who have strong bonds to each other whether that bond is because of monetary uh benefit or not yeah we'll see but um the fact that like they're all connected to each other already rather than a bunch of strangers 
uh, is something that I find juicy. Well, I was gonna say like, a kind of in again like going in connection with um, uh, Knives Out is uh, these get compared a lot to like the Poirot mm -hmm. kind of stuff, um, mm -hmm. and all of those are are mostly like strangers or people who only know each other very tangentially. Yeah, um, and these are like people who know each other very very well. Uh, yeah, and I think that's gonna be that's gonna be really cool to see continue to flesh out. Um, yeah. uh, it seems like Edward Norton's character wasn't expecting him. Maybe I At got the impression, and the way the trailer is cut, it does feel that way. But I got the impression because like the, there's the line like "Thank you for inviting me." Oh, maybe Edward Norton didn't invite him, but it made it, but 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 Benoit Blanc thinks Edward Norton invited him. I think right, the murderer did it. Mm. This is this is what I'm wondering too. Is um, I, I I feel like something might be juicily up there. I think it's someone who loves murder mysteries or something, and they wanted to be a part of one at a murder it, mystery. Speaking of the way it's cut, that, but that's also the same like plot of Knives Out. Like like he got hired mm -hmm. by someone he didn't know who it was. Um, oh, okay. I don't mind if you want to reuse that. Fine, whatever. Um, yeah. maybe, maybe that's just how Benoit Blanc gets his <laughs> cases. Just anonymous tips. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, I, I really like how the trailer is cut because, because it's like, you know, Edward Orange like, you have to solve my murder. And we didn't see this in the first trailer, but in this one, it's in, it, it makes you think that the body is Edward Norton until it cuts to Edward Norton. Like, so what do you think? And so it's kind of like the trailer is playing with the idea, like, is Benoit Blanc going to know that this is, is Benoit Blanc actually playing a game that he doesn't know? Or is this actually a murder mystery? Like, like how are we going to get a little trippy with that one? Or we're just gonna have another fun murder mystery. Either way, like, look, Ryan Johnson can do whatever the hell he wants for all I care. It, it's gonna be really interesting. I'm excited to see it. Um, he has a particularly wonderful line that is a great insight to the character that I love, which is, "I'm very terrible at dumb things." He has this thing. He has this line where he's talking about the game Clue, and he's like, "You gotta check boxes," and it's like, "It's a terrible, terrible game." <laughs> um, I really like the idea that he hates Clue. Uh, all right. John Wick, chapter four. What happened, John Wick? One, two, Parabellum, four. What are we doing, John? Come well, on, technically, bro. it's chapter three, Parabellum. Okay, well, well yeah, but I, but you know what I mean. Why are, we doing, <laughs> why are we doing a colon and then we're leaving the colons behind? Um, listen, like, John Wick three is a is like the lesser of the three. So, like, my expectations are a little lower. But, like, this looks like another great action movie. Like, I don't... I have nothing... I have nothing. I have no reason to suspect suspect worse, especially because my boy Billy Scars is in this movie. Bill mm -hmm. Skarsgård um, from It and now Barbarian. I think um, I think you touched on it pretty well. That like I'm not worried at all that the action will be great. Yeah, I get concerned with every John Wick subsequent John Wick film that um, at some point we're going to be the snake eating our own tail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, mm -hmm. at what point has the narrative stretched itself too far? Now, I know, I think it's been reported. Is this, is there's like, there, isn't there like going to be four and five or is it like a whole new trilogy? I don't remember. I think five is coming, but I don't know. I don't know for sure anymore. Okay. I'm pretty, I'm sure I'm pretty sure. But I, don't I thought, I thought it was reported that like four and five are going to be like the finale or whatever, but I could just be making shit up. But, but this, <coughs> this has a almost, this has a sense of finality to it in a way where like this almost could be the last John Wick, but I don't, I don't think it will be. I don't um, think it will be either, which is part of what uh, I'm rubbing up against is that like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not into being sold on a last mission if it's not the last mission yeah. uh, uh, kind of place. And this. if it is a situation where like, 
in this trailer, there was a like rival company coming to take over, like like the, the institution of what of what the assassins do with Bill Skarsgård, Mister French, Bill Skarsgård. So like maybe there's there's a whole new dynamic. Will be fun for two movies. We'll see. Um, We're all, also all getting, is the action will be good. Yeah. We also getting a, a little bit more. It looks like what's interesting is that he seems. I'm sure this is a later in the movie development, but it's interesting that the trailer shows us he's okay with Winston to a degree. Like mm-hmm. he's like because. Winston betrayed him at the end of the third of the third film. And this is shortly after he healed from the third film. So like he's had some time to heal. That's why we skipped. That's why we finally uh, time jumped. Yeah. I'm curious how much time I'm curious how much time has passed because Lawrence Fishburne looks, he looks fine. I don't know if, he's okay with him as much as he's getting information from him now that he tracked him down. Easy truce. Well, I know, but like, I, I was, so like, I'm sure this is a later in, in the movie thing, but like what I was, what I was surprised by, like, is that the trailer doesn't want us to believe that this is a revenge film against uh, the continental. Yeah. You know, it might start that way. And then Bill Skarsgård comes in and I was like, Oh, I can't, I can't kill both of y'all. I'll take care of them first. Cause I'll come he, back to you. Cause he has the part where he says any last words, Winston. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I think that is him probably about to kill him. And then something comes up. We like, only see yeah. him visually in a single location <laughs> in this trailer. I'd be curious. So I, I think Ian some, McShane, if there's some tricky, is, might be on his way out. Yeah, you're right because there is some. You know, look, there's always some tricky, some tricky editing with trailers, and so it, we we always kind of cobble together what we what we can. The the second time we see Ian McShane in the trailer is after is after we hear John Wick uh, voiceover, not in the film, say any last words, Winston, like. Uh, and then we see Winston say, "Have fun." Like, so that could just not, that could not be that were the the lines of dialogue as they exist in the movie. Uh, it's just there's there's some interesting things that I didn't expect for this trailer, um, and it got me interested. I'm 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 very much interested in this movie. Um, I do like the idea of going back uh, and learning that John Wick's family, unknowingly to him, is part of the high table. Mm-hmm. I, I think mean, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I'm curious if like. Because that would be fun. Because like we don't know much about about John's family if he has any. Uh, at least as far as I remember, they don't go into. It I too wonder. Much. I wonder if it's not his family but hers. Oh, spicy! That'd be spicy. His wife got involved. That's see. That's good. That's good right there. Or his wife's family is involved with, with, without her knowing. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. I don't think she knew. Yeah. I don't think that's a, a thing that they'll reveal. But like, uh, you know, in the in coincidence of coincidences, a part of her family line is involved in the high table. That'd um, be spicy, actually. Yeah. Uh, but but you know who knows. Um, but I I feel like John is not a man who is not familiar with his own bloodline. Yeah. Um, but I could see him like when he's saying oh, like wait, it's no, your family. I think he's family. orphaned. I think he was orphaned. <coughs> but I could be wrong. I don't remember. It's been a while. It's been a while. Oh, you're right. Uh, he was because he went to the ballerina for the ballerina the ballet people. Um, so like he we could find out that he was orphaned because of the high table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More, I'm sure we'll get some more John Lore, Wick Lore. Yeah, I'm. I like the John Wick Lore. I like the John Wick movies. I'm excited. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm bringing on. Look, that show, look. That show still happening apparently. I'm gonna see John. I'm gonna see Keanu Reeves go up against two of my favorite, uh, uh, chi- one of my favorite Chinese actors, one of my favorite Japanese actors, um, uh, in this movie, and that's exciting. <coughs> Don, yeah, Donnie Yen, very cool, great guy. Cool. Main topic. Okay, we're here to talk about Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. It's been 2016, 2022, how many years that was? 2018. Uh, 2018. Civil War's it's, set, 2016. it's set in 2016. Yep. 
Um, you're right. I got those switched. That's okay. Uh, cool stuff. We're here to talk about the second entry in the Black Panther franchise, the latest entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Full spoilers ahead. If you have not seen it, if you have not, if you have not seen it, check it out now. Pause us. Uh, uh, stop us. Uh, turn us off. Uh, do whatever it is you do. Go see okay. the movie. Go see the movie, and uh, uh, come back. Anyway, hi everyone for being back. Welcome back. Uh, uh, so, full spoilers. What do we think about this? What I thought you? you might want to go first so you can go pee. Thank you. You are such a good friend. <laughs> I very transition real bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think this movie is pretty great. I think there's a, a lot of really great stuff. Um, it really. This is going to sound more negative than it is. I promise. It, it's not as negative, but like, it bums me out that this movie is one part beautiful tribute to not just Chadwick Boseman but to Wakanda and the evolving of that of that world <coughs> it's also the next installment of a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie uh um where sometimes uh it just I'm watching things that I'd rather be watching I'd rather be watching other things happening in this almost three hour long movie I'm I'm surprised how much time we spend away from things that I think are more important um not that the other things didn't need to be in the movie I, just, I personally could have used them maybe the the shot better develop better didn't feel like they shot it in an afternoon on, a, on some odd random day. Um, I think it's great. Uh, I think turning the movie that whatever that movie was going to be into this movie must have been really challenging. And I think for the most part, it really works. I think our lead character uh, is fantastic. I think the supporting cast is really great. I have such a, uh, I love Namor so much. I can't believe they got him. They didn't just get him right. They did him better than right. Um, and I'm just so excited for the future. Overall, I am very positive. <laughs> I can hear you through the walls. Don't worry. Spark. Since you're in the same screen, um, overall, I would agree with Ryan on his assessment. I think the movie's a little long, um, and maybe even unnecessarily. Um, and I think there are some elements that just don't work as well as a lot of what the film is doing. Um, but overall, I'm pretty positive about it. Ben, I had a good time. I like. I really liked it. I don't know if I absolutely love it yet but i'm still stewing on it um mostly it was it was i would say i agree with ryan it's it was a beautiful tribute to chadwick boseman a beautiful tribute to wakanda and then we got the mcu stuff but there i know i have more positives than i do negatives but i still i really liked it i had i walked out of there going that was good i liked it yeah, I'm kind of glad we're all we all kind of feel that way because it makes me feel a little bit better to say that like I don't really know how I feel about this movie. I know I'm very positive on it. I like a lot of things in this movie far more than the things I dislike. Um, I am just not sure where I land with it overall. Uh, there's just something. There's something. Something. There's something. I'll I'll tell you what, and like I I recognized it. If like I'm I'm generally pretty good at like knowing how I feel about movies after and like at the end of the day this movie is it just it's a it's a pretty good movie and it's a bummer to say about this movie specifically <coughs> and i know that's what a lot of people rub me up against because they don't want to say negative things about this movie specifically because of what it's about and that's fair but like i'm a guy who every movie no matter what it's about i i have to think about it critically and like this is still a two hours and 40 minute movie where like 20 of those minutes i'm just like man cool i like that julie louise drives is here i guess she's cool right um uh. like I really don't like her inclusion in this. No, that's that's what I mean. Like I, I, I like everything that's in this movie, but like with the movie that they're trying to make, I like it. Really felt like Ryan Coogler had to had to service the MCU, and for this movie, he did. He he shouldn't have had to. 
Um, and again, like with those characters involved, like with the CAA and stuff, like those characters have to be there for the plot to work. Like, like the imperialist, like the colonialism, like that's all that's all important to the story. I just wish it would have been structured in a way where I cared about it more, and it didn't feel like it was stopping progress of a different movie happening at the same time. I think. Sure. I think I'd probably want to stay with that for a bit, and I think the problem with it is that it's not so much necessarily that Julia Louis-Dreyfus's Val is included in the film. It's not necessarily that. If you're going to do the CIA stuff, it would only make sense to have a character who's like the pinpoint person for it, yeah. and she fits for the logic of what we've got of her so far for to be that pinpoint person who's doing this mm -hmm. and pushing this agenda. <clears throat> I don't think that's a problem with it necessarily. What I think is the problem with it is that what she's doing has zero effect on the story. Mm -hmm. uh, like when you get to the end, uh, ultimately the actions from America don't occur. Mm -hmm. They take zero action. Therefore the idea that Namor is right and that the threat is there, that the Americans will turn on the Wakandans is important, but mm. because it doesn't even come close to occurring, it makes all the time we spend with them kind of empty because for the story that it's telling, it never comes back around, around. Yeah. On, on the story that's actually important, which is that the core Wakanda, Jory, Namor, Alakan, uh, like that it never really truly intersects with it it's just the idea of the threat of it existing, which again is an important thing. It's important to show that those conversations are occurring because Namor is correct. Yes. But ultimately it needed action as well. It needed something to occur. Um, or it's just there. Or we needed to have less of those scenes. But that's it's already such a long movie. I understand not necessarily wanting to shove the Americans into the final conflict as well and making it this decision of like, what what would you essentially do is the Wakandans say like, hey, what the Americans are doing is wrong, but that doesn't make what the Talakans are doing right. Um, and, and kind of settling the dispute there. Um, but it, it because they don't take any action, because that doesn't uh, bring itself into that story, we spend so much time with it and it's all just the air of threat but our characters aren't necessarily like they're being told by Ross, like there's a risk, but they're not like, we could have just had them getting those calls from Ross. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Rather than spending the time there. I don't think it would have had the same impact to be fair. I don't think just being told by Ross would give you the same feeling of like America's about to go to war with Wakanda. You need that power to be shown in some way. Yeah, yeah. But, but then it has to, it has to take action in some way. Something has to happen. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's, that's really the flaw of that, that Dreyfus CIA story stuff is that it just comes to nothing. And it's, it's weaved throughout the movie too. So like we keep checking in on it more, <coughs> more than I expected to. Like you brought up, like uh, when we were talking, like that first scene in the woods with, with, uh, with Everett Ross, when he's running, like, I thought that was the scene we were going to get with him. And that's it. Like, Hey, yeah. I have information. That's my cameo baby. But then not only he comes back, comes back for another half hour with his ex-wife. And I'm like, oh, we're going to be in his house for half an hour in this movie. I see. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. And I'm just like, y'all, this is the big hype of this movie is supposed to be about the Black Panther and in like Wakanda. And like this movie spends way too much time away from that. And again, like if you're going to do that, you got to make it matter more. Yeah. That ends up resulting in nothing. Because, it's, because you have to, sorry, real quick, Brandon, because you have to prove Namor correct. Yes. And like, and like, 
I didn't, I'm, I, I'm totally just throwing it out there. I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily saying this is the ending I want, but like if there's a version where some, some small amount of American action is taken and the Talakans happen to be on the back foot because of Shuri's plan in the Wakandans, right? And the Wakandans have to save the Talakan from the Americans, right? Or, or like even the space so that they back off entirely, uh, whatever it is to, to settle that and put it in a more, you know, recognitional, peaceful state, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then you do that. Um, but because, and I won't say I necessarily want that because like I want Namor's kind of worry to be correct because she's out there, she's working in the CIA, there's a lot of people who think like her, they do want to... Uh, come for Wakanda. They do want to come for those resources. I don't want you to negate that idea and say, well, because they handled this one thing, like the Americans are like, oh, it's okay, we'll back off kind of yeah, idea. Yeah. I don't necessarily want to get that reductive in the script either. But the, but it, something had to occur. Um, and I think that the problem is that they had no idea of how to do that. I think it, something would have occurred in a Black Panther series that had nothing to do with the rest of the MCU. Mm -hmm. Right? A film that's just telling its stories for its single world, mm -hmm. they definitely make the Americans do something and make that story be relevant to what's going on. But because we can't necessarily make a whole story about in the next few MCU chapters, by the way, America's low key at war with Wakanda, um, <laughs> we're, we're not going to be able to do that. So I get that, but it had to amount to something. Yeah. And you are, Brandon, please. Well, I was going to say, like, what this film is doing, what this film ultimately is meant to do is, is, is well, end phase four. But but I think we're, we're all now being cued into the fact that phase four is largely about trauma, uh, trauma from events that, that have happened prior. And, and and so and what we've gotten is a movie that is very much infused with that trauma. It is very much putting its heart of like, we lost, <coughs> Chad, we lost Chadwick Boseman we're putting that into this movie. We're putting our pain into this movie. We're putting your pain into this movie. And that's, and when we're in Wakanda, we're getting that movie. Mm -hmm. And then when we leave Wakanda, we're not, except for when we're with Riri. But like, when we go, we, we shouldn't, I don't think we should spend as much time away from that trauma as we do. And we spend a lot of time away from it. And I, and I, I talked about this with Andor in the episodes coming, but like, I am shocked at Andor because the A, B, C, the A, B, and C plots I'm always on board with. Doesn't matter where you cut away to, I'm on, I'm, I'm there because each one is serving that story, and I'm engaged in each one of those stories. This is not the case with Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, and it bums me out that I say that because I was very excited for this movie. But when we go to Val, I'm just not interested. And it again, it bums me out because there's like, you, there's a cut of this movie that's significantly better. And it's just you take out you take out the little sections where they keep showing up because like there's a way where you can just mention <coughs> I, it is probably a lesser movie like with how I'm being reductive but like you cut out all this stuff and you just focus on the Black Panther stuff because all that stuff is so great and like all the emotions on screen are so good and I loved every second of it and just like I was fully expecting the 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 human stuff they're all human I was fully expecting the the CIA stuff to come fully around and like oh man the Americans are gonna come mess up this like whatever's about to happen with them and like. It just nothing happens with them. And I'm like, this was just set up. Like, this is like, this is the worst. This is the MCU at its worst. And it happens to be in this movie. And that's what bums me out the most. Because like, this should have just been a movie about the Black Panther dealing with its, with the loss of its king. Uh, but it's got a set of Thunderbolts, you know? Like, I, yeah, this is not the film that I thought should set of Thunderbolts. And I, again, there are ways, it's all about execution. There are ways where like all of this is, I'm fine with, but like, it just feels so much like we filmed all of this 
not related to the set. It just uh, in someone's house for three days. Like it does not feel connected at all. Um, mm-hmm. It feels like we needed to include this in the movie because like we got a we got a, a plan. We got to stick to it. I'm like, if I, it was it shouldn't have been this movie. Like, and I know there's no way they didn't feel it. Like this is a long movie, and like I have no problem with long movies, but like. When you're doing a bunch of shit I don't care about, like I'm looking at my, I'm looking at my clock and I'm like, I shouldn't be feeling that for this movie. Cause like the stuff that's good is so good. And I can't wait to talk about this stuff. But like it's just again, it's mired by, oh, we gotta we gotta do static stuff. It really, it really is a tough spot because I, I think like Namor's story doesn't work in this movie as well if you don't have some amount of insight into the Americans saying showing that namor is correct yeah uh at the same time yeah like you need something there i just don't know that it was fully thought out how to incorporate that something yeah yeah i'm not i like yeah like like i don't know how you fix the movie but like showing showing more spending more time in with the with the exes is not the solution i think when so there's um there's something i want to say that's kind of that's kind of interesting i think um the first movie is two hours and 14 minutes Mm-hmm. Great movie. I rewatched it this week. It's fantastic. I love yeah. that movie dearly. Oh, I rewatched uh, Black Panther too. I forgot to say that in my week. It's um, a, it, I rewatched Black Panther also. Really great. Uh, I love that movie. I love Chadwick Boseman in that movie. And I will admit, like, there is a lot of this movie uh, for me that that you know, I I'm I'm I really miss Chadwick Boseman's presence. And like, obviously, the movie is about that that uh, absence of Chadwick Boseman. Um, and I and I I feel that, and I, I think that's done very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, real quickly, two hours and fourteen minutes. First movie, great movie. Two hours forty one minutes. This one, I just thought that was fun. It's almost flip, thirty minutes longer. It's crazy. They flip, they flip the four and the one. Yeah, it's 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 unnecessarily because again, like I love long movies, but like you got to make it worth my while. And like there's clearly just like twenty to thirty minutes where like, and we're just gonna put that in there. Thank you very much. What's up? No, man? I definitely agree. There's a lot of fat that this film probably could have trimmed. I definitely. Definitely agree about the whole um, Val. I mean, Val seeing Val cool. I thought she was just gonna be there for a hot second, but then the more she keeps showing up, I was like, oh, she's in this movie more. That's neat, I guess. But thankfully, once we got to, um, is it pronounced Takalan? Talokan. Talokan. I kept saying Atlantis. I I I was expecting to say Atlantis, but it didn't say Atlantis. But that's totally okay. But getting to the, like the B part with the B plot with uh, with the sub with Namor and Submariner and seeing and all that stuff in his world, I thought was beautifully done and beautifully created. I thought, man, this is gorgeous. This is amazing. Love it. Love it. And all, the, but I do agree. A lot of the stuff with Ross and and Val, I was like, get that out of there. We don't need this. Yeah. Um. Man. So um, let's let's start getting positive because like first, I'm pretty much positive on the rest of the movie. Like I think. Again, like not not having rewatched it, but just being familiar with Black Panther, seeing Shuri, who is like lovable, like, really excitable, like a totally like like lovable like uh, uh, uh like quirky teenager, is very sullen, very dramatic in this movie. It is, and Letitia Wright is doing a hell of a job, uh, despite personal shit. Like, damn, she's really acting in this movie. Everyone is really acting in this movie, and the performances from top to bottom. Uh. Namor, man, when he's on the beach with the queen, he's like his eyes are like bulging out of his skull, and I'm like, this dude is so intense. Oh my god, I love him so much. You're right. There's great performances all around. Letitia Wright is really great in this movie. I think what she does really, really smartly, and the script does this too, because uh, the script, like, it's, I'm sure it's in the script, but like the idea that like she is traumatized by what happened with T'Challa, she doesn't believe that the heart shaped herb uh, can can. Uh, uh, send you to the to the ancestral plane. 
she doesn't believe in a lot of that stuff because she's very science minded. But every now and then we get the Shuri from the first movie. Every now and then she'll say she'll say a joke or she'll be, she'll be lighthearted. And I think that's I think one of the interesting thing about things about this movie is that it's very clearly coming from a very raw place. Like the death of Chadwick Boseman was very raw at the time of writing this movie of, of conceptualizing it. Working on this movie was very raw for them. Like it feels very much like, look obviously i've been speaking a lot about it i lost my father this year and i understand that kind of and now like i can understand that and recognize what that trauma what that uh, um tragedy does to a person's psyche that i couldn't before and like i would have probably acknowledged that it was a thing but now i can see it actively seen on screen recognize that these characters these fictional characters are going through a very real thing and it makes those characters feel very real to me and i think that's what this movie does that, that the strength of this movie is that these feel like we are in kind of a group mourning over t'challa over chadwick and i and you know because it starts with chadwick's death, with t'challa's death that i didn't expect yeah and and uh uh shuri um uh, uh asking asking god asking boss hey i'll believe in you forever if you save my brother um and obviously it, it doesn't work and like you know i'm a i'm not a religious person but like i've definitely you know when i was young i used to do that um yeah. just doing anything you think you can to help somebody um it's i i really like her journey and like it's a journey she sticks with too like it's not like she becomes an ultra uh, religious person at the end of the movie either which is which is i'm, I'm glad for mm -hmm. um i i will speak to the the I think the morning of of Chadwick and T'Challa is done very well. Um, I think the way that they've integrated it into the story of the film is is really well done. The, this um, I wasn't sure how they were going to handle like his character passing, but I think the opening of him going from this illness, this idea of him having suffered in silence for a period of time, um, relating to the sense of real life loss and how that occurred, is. Uh, really well integrated um and to uh liken the characters to the reality for what's going on i'm not gonna say that it was a mistake in the story to kill the queen uh what i will say is that the decision to do it causes this sort of overbearing sense of mourning to pervade the entire film to a degree where it's a little bit of a hard watch. Um, and I don't, I think it will make it hard to watch it in, in subsequent views. And I don't know if you had just left the morning to just over Chadwick and T'Challa, it would hit that same way. Now, I think the action of it, pushing her to vengeance, pushing her to choose the Black Panther for vengeance, causing her to see Eric Killmonger because of it. And all of those things are very, very smart, very well uh, designed story beats for mm -hmm. getting Shuri to that point. So I'm not going to say like killing the queen was a mistake. It was devastating. It shocked me. I was sad. Angela Bassett was giving an incredible performance and it was rough to watch her get taken out in this movie, especially with for the proxy of this family, what they have gone through. Yeah. Um, but it does make it so that when you're kind of getting out from under the shadow of T'Challa in mourning, now your characters have to go back in mourning again. Yeah. And then we also have to circle back to T'Challa again at the end of the film. Yeah. And I think that maybe hit the be sad about people dying button a too little much, too much. hard and yeah. a little too frequently. 
yeah i was i i think that's also something i was rubbing up i'm rubbing up against in the movie because like it just the vow stuff yeah that 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 that's not stuff I, I particularly like but that's not the reason and not the entire reason why i feel the way i do about this movie and i do think what you're talking about sparks is is very true the three of us uh you me and ryan have suffered a, a very similar loss in our lives mm-hmm. and so like so having something like that feel very much like i i i i thought perhaps wrongly that it was because of because of what happened with me that i uh, that i was reacting to the movie poorly now i don't know if that's true uh but i do think the the angela bassett death the queen's death does kind of push me over the edge there you know i just i think you could have done a near death or a battle coma kind of scenario yeah where like the queen queen got endangered nearly died kind of thing yeah to Mm -hmm. push shuri to the same end and keep all your story beats um and not put these characters through the ringer again yeah in and and by proxy the audience even if we are not mourning a literal real person we are now mourning a character that we like yeah, um yeah. and uh, another one for this film and i think it just makes that sense of grief per- carry over this yeah. film with such a heavy hand that it's uh, a little hard to uh feel like you can catch your breath from and um, I'm sure that is a uh, part of the pervading feeling for Shuri. Yeah. But, um, and I, and I'll certainly say like, that's motivating. It's motivating to push her to go as viciously after him as she does. Um, I don't know if that was the best way to handle the, the tone of the film. So Benji. Sure. Um, to be honest, when I first saw, when I first saw the movie, I wasn't sure how I liked Angela Bassett's character dying. Because yeah. I do, because I, I mean, the more that Sparks, you've said that how it makes Shuri choose Killmonger, how she chooses the Black Panther out of vengeance, and that whole arc. I, okay, now to me, now that makes sense. But in the moment, I was like, I don't know if I like that. Yeah. I don't know if it was right for, because you're, because, because my whole thought process was she just lost her brother, her dad died a few years prior. And now she just lost her mom. That is like the worst. That is like the worst year and a half Shuri has ever had in her entire life. Well, we also don't know if she was snapped or not. Because like if she wasn't, you know, she lost her dad, the snap. Mm-hmm. She lost her brother. And then she, her, then her brother dies. And I'm, pretty sure she, I'm pretty sure she nope. was. Because I remember... We see- we see her picture. We see her picture in an endgame on the list of people, correct? Of... It's been too long. I, I wouldn't know. So if you know, think... if you know for sure, then I'm, I'll concede. But still. I, I, I don't know for sure, but I do think she is one of the snap that we learned that in, in Endgame. I'm pretty sure that's true. Um <clears throat> but I... so, I'll, so I'll concede that, but like still, still you have you have tragedy after tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, the dad, the snap, the actual death of the brother, the death of the mother. It man. This family's gone through a lot in the yeah. last six years. And like, I definitely, I also rubbed against it. So I think if all four of us did, then there's, there's some validity there. Uh, what it, like, like with differing opinions on why, um, like Riri also being there and Riri comes out. Okay. Uh, it makes it even more tragic, which I'm just like, I, I guess if that's the movie you wanted to make, you want us just to be constantly feeling bad. I get it worked. It, it did work. But like, I don't know if, Again, because you're already losing one major character. Like, I just don't know if you needed to lose another major character. I think, I think um, it would be different. I do think it would be different if we were talking about losing a character, but we're talking about losing Chadwick Boseman as well. Yeah. yeah. And 
because you are meant to engage with the reality of that loss and what that means for everybody to have lost Chadwick Boseman, um, that you can't separate that. They don't want you to mm-hmm. from the movie because it, they they after he is gone in the story, after T'Challa is gone, they give you the Marvel Studios in silence with all these memories of him. They want you to be engaged with that feeling with the characters of him being gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By asking the audience to do that and then putting them through the loss of another character they care for and watching another character that they're they're attached to, our main character, have to lose that too, is very very much a weight that is hard to carry through the film for, for an audience. And um, I'm, I, again, like, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's wrong. Um, I think I'd have to see it again, but I, I don't know if it it's the wrong choice, um, but it does, it, it does make a, a clear, this is the feeling I want you to live in. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not always going to want to live in that feeling. So I'm not always going to want to watch this one. Yeah. Uh, because it's just it's just heavy it's just uh and and not heavy in like a um too abstract sense just heavy in a on the heart uh, uh, uh weight of loss and i the chadwick boseman reality will you know like this isn't like oh i know the queen dies so i'll be okay now i i will always go to this and revisit the loss of chadwick boseman mm-hmm. um and it's great that that's a beautiful tribute and testament to him yeah but it engages something real and then gives you more fictionalized grief. And that's, uh, that's a tall ask, I think. And, uh, and I kind of wish that they had found a way (coughs) to do a lot of that motivation for Shuri without necessarily putting that burden upon the audience to carry. Because um, like you said, if we're all feeling it, then clearly it, it it kind of rubs in a hard way. Yeah. Um, I think it's a hundred percent what you're saying about the, we're living in real, real grief. And then they're loading on fictional grief while they're trying to make us live in the real grief. And it's like, it is a weird, a weird budding of heads of like, obviously it's a movie, but like, you're making us like you, we know this is about Chadwick Boseman. So it's like, it is like a weird putting of like, not that it's not that it's like disrespectful, but just like, it, it just didn't feel right when I saw it. And like, you know, that, that art. It's, art, it's you know, just your, you engage with different, you engage with different grief for watching something that's about, you know, a character that you like mm-hmm. being gone and watching something that's about, a person you admired being gone, a yeah. celebrity, a real person. Um, it's almost documentarian, like almost in a way, like like yeah. it transcends it. Being the about only thing, the only thing I can really liken it to is that you know when Furious Seven doesn't fully do this, oh, um, sure, because sure, like sure. it doesn't yeah. it doesn't kill the character of Brian, but it does do at the end of off. the movie. In engage with audience, like people got super emotional and all teary eyed in that theater because they were being engaged with the loss of Paul Walker and knowing that's what the film was doing for them. It was saying, I want you to feel this with us. I want you to feel the loss of this person. Yeah. Well, this is the same. And, and (coughs) it's not that the film shouldn't do that. It's just that is engaging something that is, is more real seems too simple a word, but is more present Mm -hmm. that you can't get away from or separate from yourself or the real world that the fictionalized death of characters like the queen you can and so that that kind of being this umbrella over the film um right away just sets this this rough tone to have to take yourself emotionally through it's a, it's a real gauntlet to have to get through i think that there's there there's an interesting discussion to be had about like you know 
there are three movies now that I can name off the top of my head that had to deal with the death of, of their star. There's Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Star Wars The Rise of Sky, the Skywalker, well, Carrie Fisher isn't the star of the movie, but still. And then Paul Walker, like, and they have all handled that death differently. Um, and I think that there's a, there's a lot to be said about like, and both of and both of them, all three of them wanted you to engage with that, with the fictional, with with the real life death in a way, because they've all, uh, Carrie Fisher, uh, Leia dies in Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think that there's something interesting to be, to be had about like how you go about that. Why these kind of films want to like, I'm sorry, I'm, tr- I'm holding back a sneeze and it's very difficult. <laughs> okay. um, like, and so like, it's a really interesting discussion to be had of, of, of how they go about these different, these different ways to do this, you know, because there's, I don't think there's a right way to do it. And I think we're all just kind of trying to find the way that is right for us to, to go about. And I think two out of three, honestly, I think I've done it well. I think this one does it well. I think Fury seven does it well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just kind of just an, just a observation, not necessarily a knock or anything. Mm-hmm. I think in I think in making a comparison, like if in Rise of Skywalker the movie had opened with the death of Leia, and then near the middle of the second act, you had killed <coughs> Finn. Um, I would think that was a lot. Yeah. Uh, like I would think that was maybe <coughs> a weird choice when you're carrying the weight of the loss of such an important figure right at the top. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. And yeah. I feel much the same way here. Miss <laughs> Marsh, are you dying? <laughs> I mean, I'm still I'm still recovering from my cough. Um I know. That's I, I don't want to linger on there's a lot of other things to discuss in this movie, so I don't want to linger on that too long. But I, I am glad to know that, you know, we all kind of feel like I, I it's it's story-wise, it makes so much sense. Yeah, it's just, it, it just does. it yeah. just feels it just feels kind of not even wrong, just weird. Um it's just it's just it's just an emotional setting that I don't know if there maybe was a better way to get around this. Um, I, I, just taking out the queen. I just don't know. I just I, don't know about that. I think I think there's a world where the exact same thing happens, but she 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 barely survives. Yeah. Like like put her whether it's a battle coma or like whatever. But like I I just don't think she needed to be taken off the board. You know you're right because like the movie also the movie doesn't make Shuri queen at the end of the at the end um it's a it's it's implied however you read it that mbaku is challenging for the throne and someone could challenge him or whatever like so you could have had her t- off the board without killing her and then have her still be queen at the end because if sure if shuri's arc is not to become queen of wakanda shuri's yeah. arc is to become the black panther and and i you know you're, you're very you could very easily have just a a way for queen for the queen to be at the end there and really the movie doesn't change right yeah yeah I just think I think it's a bummer for the future of the franchise. Like, I don't think we needed to lose both characters in a movie. That's all. That's you know. Yeah. But it's not my story to tell. If you think that's better for the <coughs> overall story, like, that's that's great. I guess. Yeah. You know who I'm glad didn't die? Mbaku. I love him. You know who oh. should have been in the movie way more? Mbaku. Take yeah, away thirty of those Julie Louis minutes. Give it to Mbaku, please. Yeah, I am really please. glad he has the scenes that he does. Um, uh, again, like I, I also uh, think that 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 the ending is, is trying to say that Mbaku is king of Wakanda when we come back uh, in the future, mm-hmm. um, uh, and I think that they they illustrate that through the way that Shuri talks to him when when he's the person who's there for her at at, 
again, like a good moment, the person who is there when she's at the queen's funeral and what he says and what he says about what it means for, you know, like to, to, to weigh this loss. And then later in, after she's the black Panther, it's just the two of them talking and he says, I don't want eternal war for my people. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I think that these are very strong moments with Mbaku, and I think they did they they did a really good job of integrating his um his sense of humor. I want to get the fish man, uh, and and he calls and also like yeah. him in this um just he's just he's just such a far cry more uh integral and thoughtful person, even as he is the same character. Uh, he's so much more um politically minded than i think we got from him in the initial film mm -hmm. yeah. i just love it when he when he actually calls namor by his his god name and then all the other elders are like he's like what just because we live up here in the mountains we don't have access to books yeah he calls like, the koye a bald demon yeah he's <laughs> got me doing it i got yeah. real good yeah. uh <laughs> yeah, i i mean yeah winston duke is absolutely amazing also because i after we saw wakanda forever the next day we actually just started watching black panther before we did uh, House of the Dragon. And I feel like Winston Duke got super buff for Wakanda Forever. I mean, he's, I don't know. Well, don't I just forget, don't... he's in Infinity War and Endgame too. So like, that's he's, true. He's, that, he's that's true. perpetually getting bulkier. Yeah. Um, but that's beside I, the point. Um, what else was I going to say about, um, damn it, I had something about, oh, the fact that he is the voice of reason. Mm -hmm. I love that because at first he's like, "Yeah, let's go kill this guy," and then after he fought them, he's like, "You know what? I was wrong. Mm -hmm. Let's not kill him." He found lost fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just love how because of when you first meet him, you see him as like this, uh, uh, like the the archetype of the me the beefhead, the meathead who wants to just who's who can I can solve all my problems with my fists, and then he gets punched in the chest and flies forty feet mm -hmm. and realizes, never mind. You Let's know what? I'll, I'll, hold on. I'll I'll push back a little bit on 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 that because like I, I don't think Mbaku is ever introduced as like the meathead who wants to answer everything with his fist because he's challenging T'Challa in the first film because he thinks that Wakanda has gone down the wrong path. He he says it specifically like you trusted all your all your advance all your technological advancements to a, to a girl who scoffs at tradition. Like you have gone you have gone off the path that Wakanda should be on, and I think we still. Because of he did serve as like consul to to T'Challa afterwards, and he did fight with T'Challa during Infinity War. Like I still I do think we get this progression of like a guy who clearly cares about tradition, who clearly who clearly cares about Wakanda, but wants to further the his own people, the Jabari, uh, uh, more. He wants to be a part of that table. He wants to be a part of that discussion. And T'Challa gives him that. He says it in the first film. You know, you're the first king in centuries to be here. In my, in, in, to be to be a Jabari land so like I think he was very I think he has a very good arc that you can see from Black Panther to Wakanda forever very natural arc of of just kind of like well now that I'm here you know I'm I'm much more politically inclined but I don't think there was ever a moment where M'Baku was was ever supposed to be this kind of like meathead as you suggested mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he's just big he just happens to be big, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's just big, I'll, and he and he'll be goofy at times. But no, I was mm -hmm. just going off the fact that how he was so ready to go and like, hey, let's go ahead and just kill Namor, kill the fish man, and then after he loses the fight, he's like, you never mind, never mind. Let's just change strategy. Let's not kill him. He learned. Yeah, but it's it's more than that because what he says is that like the reason to not go in and kill him is because he's he's looked at it and and thought they call him a god. If we kill him, uh, right, then 
we will be kicking off a war that will never end. Endless yeah. war. Because um, he talks about, like, he at first, he everyone thinks that Namor is just like T'Challa was, just a king. But he's not to to the Talakans. He he is he's a god to them. Um, and I think when uh, Mbaku is able to to witness that only after he after he encounters him, because before that, everyone's just treating him as as a king. But Mbaku okay. is the one to recognize. Actually, we're wrong. Can we talk about uh, America Chavez now? Riri, I mean Riri Williams. <laughs> I boy howdy guys, we just read a comic. Riri's great. I love Riri. Riri, I love Riri Williams. Um. <laughs> I think she, I think the actor's great. I love Riri. Dominic as, I, yeah, as 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 the character, I love what we're presented. I'm excited for her show. Um, she's she's fine in in this movie, doing what she's like. It's cool that she shows up. She kind of feels like if you take her out, like take her out of the movie, like nothing much changes because it could have just been a random scientist. That doesn't bother me so much. Uh, but like, I'll even say I'll even say uh, that I thought about it, and I'm like, if I. I, if I were to cut something out of this movie, I don't know necessarily that it is the American subplot. I think you just give more time to actually let that come to full fruition. Mm -hmm. You probably, and I really like her in this movie, you probably take Riri Williams out of the movie entirely. It, it definitely and you feels... turn it just into Namor coming for the Wakandans directly saying, they're coming for us yeah. because of you. Yes. So this is on you. You fix it. And yeah. then that leading to the conversation between Shuri and Namor and like her going there. And you could do all the beats and not have brought Riri into this film at all. Now, that being said, what I do think is the important thing that Riri does is because we just talked about how this movie is literally drenched, dripping everywhere, grief. Mm -hmm. Riri is the only person who gets Shuri to smile mm -hmm. and have a good time. Mm -hmm. okay, it's yeah. only her story that brings Shuri out of her shell and lets her like do something yeah. that she's enjoying again before she goes to Namor and starts to enjoy Talo Khan and think that that's very impressive. I That is the one exception where I feel like Riri has to be in this movie because you need somebody to be doing that to Shuri. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, Shuri is too depressed through this entire film. Yeah. Um, so that is that is my one pushback against myself about uh, <laughs> Riri should be in this movie. Um, yeah. Because I, I do think that that's essential. I think it's essential to get those lighter moments with Shuri. I, I agree. Like, I'm happy to have her in the movie. I just, I... I just wish she felt more like felt more important if she's going to be in it as much as she is. You know what I mean? I like, think I think you're right. I think you're. Um, I didn't really think about it. I do like her in this movie. I like Dominic Thorne. I like the character interactions. I think the. I think she, there becomes there's a lot of good humor with her um, uh, in 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 this movie. Um, but I I don't think I don't think either of you are wrong. Like I I think that there is there is a case to be made where you could have done many of the same beats without her. Um, I do like I do like the idea. I'm gonna use that to bounce off something uh, if that's okay. Um, I do like the idea that there is there is vibranium on the ocean floor, and that's how oh, yeah. Ta Talokan came to be. I really like that idea. I thought that was a really good way to bring Wakanda and Talokan together, a really natural way to do it, and 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 pair the two together um, in a in kind of a, like a destiny way. Like they were always destined to do this, and Talakon always knew about Wakanda, but Wakanda didn't always know about Talakon. And so, like Talakon is just looking at them, being like, "You ruined this for everyone. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. we were fine. We don't want to do what you did. We want to be isolationists because we because they come from. A, what's interesting is like they come from a people that were colonized, whereas Wakanda was comes from a nation that was never colonized. Yeah. Um. And so, like, I think that's really that. So they come at it from two different two different perspectives and Talakon is looking at Wakanda as like you ruined this for us 
Right. Now they're going to come looking for now they're going to come, they're, they're going to find us because they're looking for vibranium because you ruined this for us. Yeah, and that's why Neymar he goes directly to Akan and he's like, You gotta solve you solve our problems because this is your fault. We yeah. we were minding our own business, and then you had to announce to the world that vibranium exists. Um yeah, and it's well, a really he's it's not, he's not wrong either. It's a really interesting way to look at the two nations because like I said, like Talakon comes from a comes from a place that was colonized, whereas Wakanda's never colonized. Like it's it, they're two very similar nations because of the vibranium, because of the advancements they made, because of the of of, of many of many things. And 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 to see how they look at like Wakanda in the first film was very much like, you know, we should be helping people and not like Wakanda, but like the movie is trying to get Chad, it's trying to get T'Challa to a place where he will be more present on the world stage. Mm -hmm. And he's like, we can deal with the consequences of that. And that's fumbled because of his death because and Wakanda becomes much more, um, much more in a chaotic state. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Namor is kind of sitting there going like, well, we never, ever, 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 ever want to be a part of the surface world. We, there is no way. There, we still have the scars of what the surface world did, did to us. We are this way because of what the surface world did to us. And we and we don't want anything to do with that. And I think that's a. I think the movie does some interesting stuff showing us those <coughs> two, those two sides, uh, Talakan and Wakanda. That I, I, that I, I really engaged with and I liked. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, I am so excited. One, I was worried, not worried, because, like, if it would have happened in the movie naturally, it was fine, but, like, I was worried that, like, either Wakanda or uh, or Talakon was, so we read a book a book club today where Atlantis retreats from its homeland. Like, I was worried something like that was going to happen to either of these nations. And I'm like, that is the type of, like, fi finality of an MC or Phase 4 thing where, like, that's a big move. And, like, I'm glad neither that neither of those things, those things happened. Namor and Talakon is still, is still uh, a secret, and they got Wakanda basically to watch their back. Uh, 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 which is great. Um, I think the, where the world is left in both for both these countries is really, really cool. Um, I'm just really excited that like, man, the neighbor gets to exist and like Atuma is really cool and Namor is really cool. And we got the coolest mermaid sequence that maybe I'll ever see in my life. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, Namor, I, I love, I love the actor who plays Namor. Um, I, I think that like the way they end the, Not they end this the, the way they end this film um where namor uh it's kind of like you know we're nobody really nobody knows that talakon is there wakanda is going to keep that a secret ross only has the knowledge that there is another nation no and didn't really tell anyone um so the next time namor can show up could be it's gonna be very interesting i think yeah um i i just think i think him as a, as a like man ryan kugler is he just know, has a way with villains like he got Killmonger and, and Claw to a lesser extent, and now Namor. And I'm like, bro, I will follow you to the ends of the ocean. Like maybe don't kill a teenager, but like, I I see, I feel you, I feel you. Like you're someone who who will do anything for his people. Um, and man, let me tell you, after watching a movie where a leader doesn't do that uh, for his country, it's really cool to see a Black Adam movie come come to fruition. Let me tell you, great <laughs> great Black Adam movie, Black Panther Wakanda forever. Let me tell you, um, I'm just so excited. Like I thought. Everything with Talakon is so cool and so beautifully designed. Like they put just as much effort into Talakon as they do Wakanda. Like the music is great. Like every they do again, like their own their own little like hand signal. Um, There's no. I don't think. I don't think there was a world where this would be possible. I wish we got more of Talakon. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of what we get about of Talakon outside of the throne room is through Shuri's perspective. 
Yes. Um, and I, I wish we got more of it uh, because I did like what I was seeing. Um, there's a lot of clearly holding their breath people that I thought was fun. <laughs> um, but I think that there's, um, I think there's a, 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 I don't know if the, I don't know if this is the movie to do it quite frankly, but I do wish we got more of it because I liked what I saw and I wanted to see more. I can only hope, man, it would talk about expensive Disney plus show, but like that, like that, that's where you do something like that. You like, like maybe Namor isn't always the focus because there are plenty of other people focus on a Tuma and, and Namora for all for like, they had bigger roles than I expected. I thought they were just going to be nameless grunts, uh, but they are, they were actually cool, like fun characters. Like a Tuma has like, has like a, has a, a multi-sequence battle with a Koye over the course mm. of the movie, which is awesome. <coughs> um, for the most part, I think the action is pretty good. I don't. There are some parts where I think it's a little sloppy, but like nothing that I would that I that I would like negative too much about. I like I like a lot of the action scenes. I like uh, I like when Namor is invading Wakanda. I think that's a cool action scene. It's insanely cool. Um, I really like the car chase. Uh, I like I I was really into the car chase. I think that's <laughs> such a cool car chase. Um, and I really like uh okoye and atuma's uh beef mm-hmm. I, I i was really happy with that i love i love when there's a moment where they like show up on a whale and i was like well now you're just showing off like a killer whale just comes out of the ocean <coughs> and I, I i like how uh atuma i like how the uh the name the talakonians um have to have like the breathing apparatus like we saw a similar thing in aquaman uh but like i like the organicness of it like it looks almost like a jellyfish yeah um, yeah I thought that was I thought that was really cool, and it works both ways. Like if you just take out the water and you put any, it, it becomes air. Um, I thought that was cool. I, yeah. I want to spotlight this before I forget it because I will. Um, one of my favorite things about this movie, one of my favorite things about this movie, is that um, the way they did subtitles, because they did different fonts and colors to oh, tell yeah. you when people were speaking Haiti, yep. when they were speaking uh, Wakandan. When they were speaking Talokan mm-hmm. and when they were speaking Spanish. Did they know? Did they know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Talokan is blue. blue and in a different font. Um, Spanish is in white. Um, Wakandan is yellow and in a different font. Again, like all these are different fonts. And I spotlight this both because I thought it was very effective, especially for scenes where, um, for example, there's, there's the one where Nakia is approaching the woman uh, in South America and um she's speaking spanish to her so it's all white text as they're speaking spanish and then she says i've encountered him and she says that in the language of talokan and it turns blue into and it turns blue yeah it's really and cool. so it tells you uh what is being said and why it's so important that it's being said that way and i spotlight all this because disney plus will ruin it and <laughs> I, I say this because disney plus if you haven't noticed um they take whatever subtitles were made for the film they just turn it into what the closed captioning is mm-hmm. so whatever nice font it was doesn't exist um it, it's it it bothers me a lot i actually forgot to bring it up in rings of power that's the one thing i don't like about rings of powers when we get the subtitles the fact that it's just like bland black closed captioning yeah, yeah. font instead of black like something artistic uh bothers me um disney plus does this with all of its films i really hope that they don't do it with this one because so much thought and care was put into the subtitle oh, man, work yeah. of this film. Um, it is a bummer. It's not just a Disney Plus problem. Digital copies of all films do this too. Um, they don't adapt over the font. I don't know why, um, but they don't. They go straight to the generic closed captioning, even if you don't have closed captioning on. Mm-hmm. Um, huge, huge bummer. Huge bummer um, for something that's so well thought out, especially here. I did really like how the when the Wakandans 
the Wakanda locations are uh, in the Wakandan font. Uh, like we see them in the Wakanda uh, text and then they translate to English. And then we see uh, Talakon in that language and then they translate to English. I thought that was cool. Yeah. We get to see some Midnight Angels, which, boys, let me tell you, is from a little comic called Doom War, where <coughs> Doctor Doom takes over uh, takes over Wakanda, and and uh, uh, Shuri and a bunch of people make some cool Midnight outfits. And they're they're I never thought I'd see those dumbass looking things on the big screen, but boy, howdy, were they there? And I thought they looked pretty all right. I think they looked pretty cool. I didn't like them. Yeah, I, I didn't know, like them either. I'll tell you what, I, it is a design I, I, that I will not fight anyone against. I I respect the shit that they just they did it from the comics. That is just right. from the comics. So like I respect it more than I really like it. Uh so there's that. No, I definitely agreed with Okoye where she saw the armor. She's like, did this look get uglier last time I saw it? I'm like, I think Yeah, they are ugly, but I you know yeah. I hate to say this, but I'm getting really tired of the heads up display look from Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And like I don't know what the fix is, but when I saw Okoye in the black in the black space with the thing, I was like, really? Yeah, yeah. What about when Doctor Fate did it? <laughs> like when Doctor Fate did it too, I had the same thought. Like, really? Why? Well, <laughs> Why are we doing this here? And like, and, and like, like I I understand. Like Riri Williams, sure you want to do that. I don't care. He's like, Iron for, Man. Makes sense. For whatever reason, just what happened with Okoye, I was like, oh, really. Yeah, I. This is one of those where I would have been happy if they just if they were maskless and it was just them just just in a super suit. Yeah. Uh, but you know, stunt actors got to stunt act. So. Yeah, it's just I wasn't I wasn't too crazy about that, but I did really like the I I I, I like uh, um the fight at the, on on the on the boat. I thought that was well choreographed. And I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. Nate, that final battle with Namor and Shuri, where they do some slow motion punches. Um. Overall, I really really like. I like. I love the way that they depower Namor. Uh, like to suck the oxygen out of them, kind of like what doing the comic, <coughs> comic we read today. Um, I, 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 I real, I just love Namor. I, re- I'm so, I'm so happy with with as much as we got. Um, I'm really impressed with Shuri, and I, 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 for some reason, I didn't expect her to be the main character, which in hindsight, like, makes sense why she's the main character. Um, but I'm really impressed that like the sad journey she went on, like, it, it worked for me, like, all the way through. I think you get a very natural passing over of who's the main character in the film because i do feel like when we start the movie i don't feel like sherry's the main character i feel like the queen is the main character yeah it's true that's true and then i feel yeah. at a certain point that the baton is passed over and it's to sherry and it's not her death it's sooner than that yeah, but yeah. um but that but that this this film kind of belongs to both of them mm-hmm. um at, at certain points and i really appreciate that especially since this is apparently angela bassett's last performance in the mcu right um i'm really grateful she's so good in this man how good she is in this and how good Angela Bassett is in general makes me all the more angry that we took her out of, uh, of future sure. installments of this film. I, I just think she's so, so great. And I don't know that we need to put Sherry through this. Um, yeah. But again, like I, at least we get to see her frankly excel. Um, and, and on that note, um, Ch- Chadwick passing is, is awful. Um, a bright spot of, of what this movie is allowed to do is that we, have so many incredibly strong performances from black women. Mm-hmm. Like this movie is mostly carried by black women, mm-hmm. um, aside from uh, Winston Duke and Tanakh Huerta. And um, truly Larry Stryfus. But I'm talking I'm, like, I'm like kidding, our, I'm just I'm talking like our major players. I just players. wanted to say it as a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like our major players, like we have so many black female characters. Yeah. Um, and I and uh, the, the fact that we are allowed to go through so much and full range of emotion with with many of them um the the things we get with like oh god the scene with um the queen uh 
stripping down Okoye. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. What a what a powerful uh, performance from both of them. The the brutality of emotion in that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it is also one of my <coughs> bummer spots about the queen dying is because that was a, for Okoye. That was her last moment with her, um, which is just I, I think that's very sad. Yeah. Um, I, I think the scene makes sense and is good, but I, I kind of wish there had been some moment between them prior to her passing, uh, because of what the queen meant to Okoye. Um, but I think like. Even a- Ao uh, and the the other girl who we get um, the dagger the, girl. who's who's her partner mm-hmm. uh, that we see more of in this film um, they're all just contributing so wonderfully to this uh, and and we don't often get to spotlight so many female performers in a major film like this let alone black female performers I just wanted to bring up real quickly. Uh, I found it to be very funny that when uh, Shuri and Namor come back to the fight uh, on the boat uh, to end the fight, uh, there are five Wakandans and very many Telecons. And they're like, yeah, we put your deadly sword, Telecon. We're leaving. Yeah, they, And Wakanda's they, just like... They came okay. at the right moment because they, they would not. I will it. tell you, I will tell you after I re I saw, I rewatched Black Panther, the original, after I saw Wakanda Forever. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that both of those acts have moments in their final battles where the Dora Milaje are basically stripped down to very minor numbers and out and surrounded by some other force until a deus ex machina comes in to end the fighting yeah. doesn't make the Dora Milaje look as cool as they are like yeah. it, it's a real bummer that that happens in both movies yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> uh, we didn't talk about Killmonger a whole lot um, I was really happy with his inclusion in it. I I kind of figured he would be in this movie somewhere because uh, Ryan Coogler really likes him and puts him in. I think all of his movies at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. I had no idea, and I loved I mean, it. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a really good surprise where it happens. Um, the 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 person that should be there, like you know, really can't be there, and so they like make a per they make a they make it make sense that it would be Killmonger because she is at this point very much like on a revenge path and wants mm-hmm. and and Killmonger is the person to push her to where her story needs to be. I think that was really done organically and and it, it makes uh and it's really cool that how well it makes sense that it becomes Killmonger. No, you that easily whole... you easily could have gotten away with it being the queen, but I think this was the far more interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I actually agree because I was expecting the queen to be there and to give Shuri's like some guiding wisdom. I mean, we do see her, we do see the queen in the ask in the ancestral plane, telling Shuri, "Show them who you are," which is what she tells T'Challa in oh. Black Panther when he's fighting um, Baku. But the second we see Killmonger on the throne. I was like, I perked up instantly. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, because of course, Killmonger. Because we get Killmonger mentioned throughout, <laughs> like here and there throughout the film, but then to actually see him in the astral in the astral plane, ancestral plane, and he's talking to her is like, look, you chose me because you want vengeance. I want vengeance. Your brother was cool, but he was way too noble, and he's just mentioning. I was like, so what are you gonna do? Are you gonna take care of business, or are you gonna do the other thing? Yeah, and, I, I like how yeah. they incorporate incorporate uh, Killmonger through that scene, and I think Michael B. Jordan is very good in it. Um, I I just thought that the the way that they it, it kind of like Shuri doesn't want to believe that she saw Killmonger, right? So she's like when she wakes up, she's still like like oh no, the ancestral plane doesn't exist. I didn't and see she, anybody. I didn't see anybody. Um, she, she's still kind of like 
did that really happen? Did that not really happen? And if it did, what's wrong with me? If it did happen, um, yeah. I, I think that's uh, I think that's all really really and, well done. Well, and it's also she doesn't want to admit the rest of the conversation, which we get later, which because yeah. we we don't see the whole conversation until a little bit later on, which is where she says, "I I want to ruin it all. I want to burn it all uh, for what they did." Mm-hmm. Um, and uh and and fully embracing it like I, I think michael b jordan's appearance here is is totally right i think it it's done very well and makes a lot of sense um i think that uh the final fight stuff with namor and hers is really well thought out because like realistically she can't take him on at all um but they they do the dehydration thing which really depowers him down enough for me to to buy this and and ultimately for me the, it's the fact that she doesn't really overpower him as much as she outsmarts him. Yeah, which which is what she should have done. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I I really like that final battle, and like it's a it's brutal. It's more brutal than I thought it was going to be. Like once she rips, she does the ripping of of the, the feet thing, but also she gets straight up speared, <coughs> speared in the stomach. Uh, importantly, importantly, I I didn't make the connection until I saw Black Panther after, but um, she gets stabbed in the same place that he does when he's fighting Killmonger. It's mm. the exact same place that the spear goes through. Um, Poetry it rhymes. Uh, yeah, I think that 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 fight scene is really, really interesting in the sense that like, I think at this point because of the heart shaped herb, obviously Shuri is much stronger. Um, but even even then, she's not strong enough to beat Namor. Honestly, most people wouldn't be. Um, they like she like Mbaku says she's as strong as the Hulk. She did um, she did very well considering. Yeah, yeah, it's so like so depowering Namor in the way that they did, plus adding the fact that Shuri is very, is a genius is really interesting. I, well, speaking of a genius thing, I just realized I just remembered I really like the idea. I I'm, I said it in the first Black Panther movie, the review for that movie, that I I wish we'd gone more into the fact that chat that T'Challa is also. A genius and in, in yes. the marvel and the Mar- and marvel comics and the marvel universe and we don't really in that movie and i was really happy that in this movie like where did, someone asked like where did you learn all this to shuri shuri says from my brother and i yeah. thought that was a really good way of 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 reminding the audience that t'challa was also an incredibly smart an incredibly smart person <laughs> shuri was always smarter shuri was always smarter but uh t'challa was was a was a genius in his own right yeah and and I understand why they they didn't want to make or at least show T'Challa being that smart because like you you have your tech character it would be kind of shitty if the one thing that they're good at like they're like you're better at than that so like I get wanting to have Shuri be tech person she's the best at it so it is nice that there was a nod to like no nah, that dude was smart too like <coughs> he taught me everything I know like I just happen to be smarter uh, that is a a nice little nod that I enjoy too yeah um, can we talk about Nakia who's my secret MVP of the movie. She just comes out of nowhere, able to find Talokan. Stab some dude, starts an international war by accident, and just runs away. I love it. I was gonna say, I I feel like she has Lupita Nyong'o has kind of a thankless role in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, like nobody's going to remember much of what she did in the movie, into, except for the like final scene uh, with her. Um, I don't remember her stabbing. And I think, lady. and I think, like like she does cool stuff, but um, I think she carries like an emotional balance in the film. That's that's it's not being as appreciated as I think it probably should be. Um, I know when I was watching it and we like, it wasn't long before she finally did show up that I thought, why, where is she? Why isn't she in this movie? I, I had a, I had a pretty good feeling that what happens at the end was going to happen. I just didn't, ex- I, but I didn't expect it to be the post credits. It wasn't on my mind at all. Yeah, I didn't yeah. think that that was going to be the, the reason, like it perfectly makes sense now, but like yeah. up to that point I was like, 
why, why haven't we seen Lupita Nyong'o in this movie? Why yet? is she like, so far away? Too, she's yeah, yeah. <coughs> she's such an important character. I hope that we get her soon. Yeah. Um. I I I I really like her in this movie. I, I think Lupita Nyong'o is fantastic, and um, uh, her being the role she is, I, I think one of the best is the um, her talking about the uh snap with thanos to okoye mm-hmm. uh, which really contextualizes this film by the way is, is uh six years apparently after the events of infinity war um but that in your and yeah in your that. in your timeline which means t'challa passes away pretty pretty quickly after he came back which is a big uh-huh. bummer yeah um uh and you know she talks about having to go away and like we we will find out later more about that like being related to the kid and everything but um that she has to leave because she's going through that loss in that moment um and uh you know she is one of the few characters besides okoye who we get that like what it meant to lose t'challa twice from yeah, um, yeah, yeah. uh because they've gone through that twice uh which i think is another like I think it's a, you can't have predicted this thing. I've talked about this before. You can't have predicted this thing, but I do think it's unfortunate that so much of the Black Panther story in the MCU up to this point is about constantly losing the Black Panther. Um, like outside of Civil War, uh, it, like every film has had to deal with the fact that T'Challa got killed or maybe got killed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that's that just is a bummer. It's a bummer that that's how the story had to play out. It certainly wasn't the intention when they were making the previous entries, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is unfortunate that that just kind of is the trajectory of it. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that there was like room to, to spotlight something like that. Uh, going back to the final fight, though, um, what I was going to say is that I, I like two things I want to spotlight. I, I really like that, like, the way she ultimately bests Namor is um, through... Uh, where she positions him and being intelligent about it and all that, not and not a uh, strength move or, or win over because like at that point she couldn't really do much after she'd been stabbed. But like I thought that was very good. And then they do something really interesting um, that I I thought was really thoughtful when I was watching it in the film, which is they give you this uh, interiority of what Shuri's going through when she's holding down Namor, ready to kill him, and she's thinking back to the events of the film but she's like rewinding the attack on wakanda like she's playing a uh if if only this hadn't happened if only this hadn't happened yeah yeah yeah. uh then we wouldn't have to be like this and and making the choice of i you know like we we need to we need to find a different way mm-hmm. um there has to be a different way to this uh i yield <coughs> he yields good job yeah uh something that i want to showcase real quickly is uh when it, we learn very quickly that Talakan uh, is the origin of the Siren myth. Um, uh, I think that was really, I thought that was a really cool. I thought that was a really cool moment in the beginning. And I, this is kind of, kind of me to like want to talk about a little bit about the beginning. Um, when the music from the, from the, from the people in the ocean is overwhelming the, the, the boat. And, and I think that was, that's really well visualized. I really like the sound design there. Um, uh because like the the music gets loud for the audience in the theater too like we're it starts becoming overwhelming for us as well and and we're seeing all these people being hypnotized and jumping into the ocean i thought that was really cool that is my favorite scene in the movie because that's like man that is it's incredibly haunting uh you just hear a beautiful siren song and then it gets louder and then it's like then it's like yeah it is overwhelming uh uh yeah that was unexpected uh really cool like man they've been around for hundreds of years like love it just love it and uh, remember, Lake Bell was in this movie for a hot minute. 
Yeah, I'll, she was like, I don't want to be a superhero. <coughs> make me make me a, a scientist that I get killed. Cool. Give me my paycheck. Cool, cool, cool. She's Love already it. poisoned Ivy. Why does she need it? Yeah, she yeah, yeah. Uh it's fun, you know. Another just like tiny, tiny. Oh, I know, I recognize you. Did anyone else feel like the beginning was a little too dark? Like it was a little hard for me to see. Yeah. Ben, ben Ben raised his hand. Um the the night the night scenes in the first Black Panther film I felt were, were a little brighter um than the one than the ones in this one it was a little difficult for me to, to for me to see if it's a me problem i concede but i, I, I just want to say i did not notice anything are we talking about the ship attack mm-hmm. oh okay no i didn't feel that way no yeah um anyway yeah i agree i think the sound design is really good i really like the the haunting music thing um i think the score for this film is exceptional um the the bringing back of a lot of the wakanda stuff but the new uh, sounds for Talokan are all very good. I really like it. Um, kind of going back all the way to the beginning, I think um, uh, the way they do the quiet, sad grieving for T'Challa and then the kind of like celebrational gr- grieving for T'Challa, the, you know, like we get the quiet moment in the in the woods and then we get the big dance ceremony. celebration ceremony, I think was really good. I, I like... I like when you can kind of hold the sad with the celebration as well. Um, and I thought they did a really good job of hitting that um, uh, emotion. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. <coughs> and, and the final, the final, but besides the post credit scene, the final images of just Shuri just thinking back and then we seeing like, you yeah. know, a little montage and her, the, the final moments of this movie is her crying. It's like, man, that's like really, that's really beautiful. Like it's, it's, yeah. I thought it was a really nice way to end the movie. Like, I did too. Oh man. Yeah. Um, very sad. Again, like uh, uh, a little, um, I think it was the right way to end the movie. Very nice. Uh, again, a movie that has kept you kind of buried under grief yeah. and like pulling you back again to the reality of the grief yeah. uh, in that moment. And, and is like, that's what makes it like, wow, it's really here the whole time. Um, and then the post credit scene happens and it's like, it, it is a weird thing of again, like, I, I really like the post-credit scene, but it is like the opposite feeling I have during the, the Queen's death where like it is real life bumping up with fictional life and like, oh man, like he, in a way, he like he is surviving through Bag Panther. He has a son, like a weird, like weird, a weird, I had the opposite feeling is what I'm trying to say from from the death. And I'm like, oh, this actually, <coughs> this really works for me. A uh, lot, lot of talk yeah. about recasting T'Challa and all this stuff. But well, like, they did it without doing and it. And they did it without redoing it. And I honestly think it's really smart. And I think it was really, really, really beautiful. Um, I love that scene. I know people have varying opinions, but like, I, I thought it was really, really beautiful. I don't know if I, I don't know if I love the scene. I kind of wish we had stayed in the moment. Um, very much. Um, Endgame has a very similar uh, credits scene where it's very much like uh, quiet a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of wish we didn't have the mid, the mid, the mid credit scene. We don't have post credit scene. I'm happy with that. I kind of also wish we didn't have the mid credit scene. I kind of wish we had sat in that feeling of Shuri, uh, Shuri's last feelings uh, during that during that scene uh, at the end of the film yeah. throughout the credits. Um, yeah. That said, I'm not going to fight back on that scene at all. It's a good scene. I just felt like I, w- I kind of wish we had we had sat a little I'm bit just, longer in that. I, it's not it's not technically like part of the movie. So like it is like I, if it were at the very end of the movie, I might feel differently, but the fact that it is like separate from the movie and it is like a nice little, like almost like a palate cleanser of like, we were dealing with sadness. Now that we're going to deal with with life renewing. Um, I, I, uh, I feel, I might feel differently if it wasn't where it was, but uh, mm-hmm. it's obviously valid. Though. Yeah. Kind of like uh, now that you've 
engaged with the loss directly like Shuri, you can now hear about him and hear about, you know, life continuing on and moving forward. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was a smart move. I I've long said that I think saying that you'll never recast Chala was always a mistake. Um, because I don't think you can just say like, you can't have that character anymore. Um, this is a very smart workaround where he will essentially be T'Challa from the comics. He'll be that eventually he will be that character. Um, we'll just have done it this way. Uh, and I think that was smart. I think it was a smart way to maintain Chadwick Boseman, but also say T'Challa, the character lives on, um, and, and have your cake and eat it too, essentially. Um, just a note that everyone should should uh, be aware of uh, that I think is cool is his name is Toussaint in Haiti. Yeah. Um, and that is a, a major revolutionary figure, Haiti being the one place where um, they were able to rise up against their colonizers successfully, uh, the the enslaved. Um, and uh, naming him Toussaint is not a mistake. Uh, it's very much calling out for that that revolutionary uh, figure. And then the, the reveal of his, you know, T'Challa name is cool cute kid yeah he's like, man i i was just really cute just like i i have a secret and i'm i'm the son of a king winky face and i'm like you little you little rascal you're gonna be a king one day they also have a uh fun opportunity now where whenever they make their young avengers project they can put t'challa on the young avengers that that the whole lineup's gonna be <coughs> screwed up anyway just throw any young person on there might as well give me the young young t'challa do it kid panther and now they've regrown the uh they've regrown they're regrowing the heart-shaped herb herbs um yeah. i i always thought that was a mistake in the first movie to to wipe out the entire crop of heart-shaped herbs yeah. i'd not necessarily i really like that movie i don't want to bash on the movie at all because like i watched it recently and i just adore it um it's one of my favorite it's my it's in my top five of the mcu um i always i just kind of thought that like you know especially after chadwick boseman passed away i kind of thought this i kind of started thinking about like you know i bet you're really <laughs> you're really kind of kicking yourself for doing that. And I think that's a, I, I'm, I liked the workaround of like, she's trying to recreate the heart shaped herbs or herbs through essentially a more advanced form of 3d printing. Yeah. I'm, I'm personally, I'm mixed on it. Like I can go either way because at one point, like I, I kind of just wish like she could have been like the smart black Panther and she like, she doesn't have to get super strength too. Um, but like her, but also like her relying on science to, to fix this, like, this magical plant basically is also a cool thing of like, look, look what she can do. Um, mm-hmm. So like, I'm, 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 I don't have strong feelings on either way uh, personally uh, on, on that aspect of it. But now, now kid T'Challa can, uh, can uh, get the heart shaped herb and become a, you know, black Panther. That's yeah, true. One day. True. One day. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Just midnight, angel. midnight angel suit. <laughs> I think, I think my whole thing, Jesus, I think my whole thing was, uh, uh, with the heart-shaped herb, like when they burnt it in the original, was I was like, well, this will be undone. Yeah. Like in some way, this will be undone. Uh, I I kind of like it has worked in their favor that they found a way to make it like this. Um, you know, we weren't even going to worry about it until we were losing T'Challa, yeah. and we were going to try and like regenerate it to to help save him, and we mm-hmm. couldn't do it in time, and that kind of thing. And that that ends up making like, you know, it makes that action matter, right? Because like Killmonger ultimately in in shuri's eyes especially uh causes t'challa's death down mm-hmm. the road yeah mm-hmm. uh, 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 uh i feel like we're wrapping it up soon but um i one of my favorite moments is when atuma is fighting okoye and he's kicking her ass and then like her spear comes to him and he just kicks it back to her like we're not done fighting girl 
And I'm like, oh, you're so bad. Oh, you look so cool. I love his big shark head. Crazy. Atuma and Namora in a movie. Wild. And both of them survive. Even better. Character development. Oh, shit. That girl's got an Iron Man suit. That girl's got an Iron Man suit. Oh, um, I... I thought the the second suit was pretty cool, like the like the upgrade Iron Man. Suit. <coughs> I love her Mark One suit. I love yeah. I love that suit, and a lot of his practical. It looks real good. I love like the cool like almost vulture like jets that she has. Um, I wish I saw more of that suit. If I'm being honest, I thought it was cool. So her like the like exoskeleton suit that doesn't yeah. have like I look. I know that I, it got a lot of grief online prior to the movie coming out, but I love her her suit that she has in Wakanda. I I really like that design. I was really into it. I do too. I just prefer uh, one. I prefer the comic look, but I I just prefer the the exoskeleton look. If I if I had to choose of all the suits that we've seen, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. good 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 stuff. All right, anything else? <coughs> no, no. I think we we, we rang <coughs> out this this uh this water filled water filled Wakanda. I town. really I really do like Riri. Um, yeah, I I think I'm glad that like stuff like her stepfather in the car and all that is is present enough in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think her relationship with Shuri is really good. And that's part of what makes me like really, really appreciative that she's in the film, because I think that that dynamic between them, there's a lot of like referencing or, or repeating relationship dynamics or moments from Black Panther. Um, like the joke about Okoye, uh, when she has to hide her tattoo, uh, oh, like in the previous makeup. one, it was a wig and now it's makeup and, and they give her flack for that. Yeah. It's cool. Um, yeah. Uh, and they're always doing that. There's, um, she has the same, uh, handshake that she has with t'challa with riri oh yeah yeah um there's there's so much like continuing spiritually stuff from from the first film that i think is it's really well done Mm -hmm. um yeah it's just you know like i'm namor being as incredible as he is as a villain um antagonist how (laughs) villain let's be honest um (laughs) yo he's gonna kill a teenage uh, girl that's not a good person (laughs) uh uh and and kill a lot of people yeah um uh I, I think that the execution of him, the Talakon, all of that is so well done in a film that's also having to juggle the Chadwick Boseman thing is, is such a tall task. And for, for all the things they had to overcome, like I think they came out with a pretty impressive piece of art. Um, yeah. Even with its flaws. Why don't you rate it? Uh, I keep going back and forth between eight and nine. So yeah. that's, that's tough. Um I guess I'll say 8.5 because I, I really don't know. Yeah. Um, I really feel like to, I know it's high. It's just uh, I, I need to watch it again, kind of knowing what I'm getting myself into. And, and um, then I could really give it a fair shake, I think. But uh, it's it's we'll say 8.5. I'm right. going eight. eight. It's a good score. It is not a bad score at all. Uh, ben? Uh, well, first, I just want to wish Brandon a very happy birthday. It is now past midnight, and his oh. official birthday is right now. So, happy birthday, bro. Hashtag just, more than a fan. I just grew an extra year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah. So, going to the movie, honestly, I am stuck between a 7.5 and an 8, but I'm leaning more towards 7.5. Not that I think this movie is bad. It's just that it was... <coughs> It was good. I mean, it was good, but I can't walk out. I didn't walk out thinking, man, that was great. That was awesome. It was, I even though I don't have a lot of negatives to voice about it outside, maybe it was too long or they could cut some of Julia Louis Dreyfus's scenes out. But I really, my just gut feeling is saying it was good. It mm-hmm. it was good. So good is a seven point five. 
it's it's before you say it, Brandon. It, I I said it earlier, like it's it's just more disappointing that it's this movie that this has happened that has happened to. Because like everything from the trailers and like again everything with Wakanda, I generally like. It's just like it's unfortunate that this has also had to be part of the MCU still, and that's you you feel it in in like in a movie that should have just been about the passing of a friend. Um, you know, yeah. I think it's I I think part of it is also real quick, Brandon. I think part of it is also like the the artistic creation of things like Talokan, Namor, and and what Wakanda is doing in the aftermath of their loss of their king. All that stuff is at like nine to ten level. And then you got some other elements that aren't. Yeah. And that's that's like where for me I know I'm I'm rubbing up against because I'm like in a movie absent those things and those things are much more minor compared to those big things. And these are these are like big bold things they've established um so well in the film. Uh those things are so high yeah. uh that it's hard to let uh even the 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 more glaring of the downsides weigh it down. Mm-hmm. I think you're all absolutely right. I think that there's a lot, there's a lot to like in this movie. There's a lot that I like in this movie. I really like Namor. I really like uh, Shuri. Um, I really like all the character work. Um, the, the, the kind of the things that normally don't bother me about an MCU movie. I, I don't get as, as bothered by the, um, the, the MCU connections as a lot of other people. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Like sometimes they're better incorporated, sometimes they're not. Like I, I try to take it in stride, but this was the one where I kind of felt like it was intruding. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this film was meant to just we're just trying to live in this grief, and but I do think we go a little too far with that grief, as Sparks was talking about with the death of Angela Bassett's character. Like I, I do think we, I think it goes a little too far. So I'm rubbing, up, I'm rubbing up against a lot about this movie. That's not to say I don't dislike it. <laughs> That's not to say that I dislike it. I do really like this movie. Um, it, the 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 beginning I will say did put a, a a rough taste in my mouth because I did actually think it was too dark. I touched on it a little bit and I don't want to like belabor that point. But like I do I do think the beginning was too dark and really hard for me to make out a lot of shapes. It could be my color blindness, but Ben also had had a similar similar thought, so perhaps not. Um, so with all that said, with everything that I said tonight, I think it's a seven point five for me. Um, I, I really wanted this to be a, a 10 out of 10 and it's not necessarily that I'm disappointed in it. It's just that like, I, I, uh, I, I don't know. There's just something holding me back from it. We've talked a lot about it tonight, but yeah, it's a 7.5 for me. Yeah. It's, it, it's a bummer that, that it happened to the, to this one. Cause like it, there is, there is a incredible movie in here. Um, it's just unfortunate that like some other stuff was also in, in the movie. Yeah uh and now again like 7.5 has a good score like i like this i liked a lot of this movie so i yeah. just want to like end on the, I, I want to end on a positive note. Hey, I, I will always i you don't need to tell me i uh, i'm the person seven is a seven is a good score <laughs> you can you can just like a movie it's not against the law well are you ready for your book club then ryan swing away ryan yep. heliopolis Take it away. What's up? They don't call him uh, General or King. They call him Cuckoo Clan. Unless, unless it's the, the, the comic books where she's just Namor McKenzie, white man. Um, hey, guys. We're going to be talking about a Namor comic today. Namor, the Submariner, colon, Revolution. This takes place after Civil War uh, between, like, 2007-2008 area. And uh, I have not read this Namor comic. It's one of the, f- the few modern Namor comics I haven't read. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to read it. And um, I had a pretty good time. Uh, I like, I've always liked Namor's character. Anytime he shows up, I'm a big fan of, uh, this was during a period where I was heavily into Iron Man. So I know all about Iron Man being 
uh, uh, the leader of S.H.I.E.L.D. at the time. He's not a very good leader, as you guys can probably tell. Um, and I think this has a pretty fun, like, weird mystery uh, going on. It's like, yo, we arrive at Atlantis, and it's destroyed, and Namor's dead. How did we end up here? But clearly, we see Namor alive in the past. So, like, what's the big mystery? Um, and I, I think this is a pretty good comic. Not, you know, not going to change your life, but a pretty good Namor comic and, and how he <coughs> handles Atlantean business. What did y'all think about the initiative? I also thought it was a pretty good Namor comic. Good, 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 good. I also thought it was a pretty damn good Namor comic. He's as someone damn. who has not He's, read a lot, a damn. yeah, I did. Add, I did add a damn because I don't read. Well, you guys know I don't. I never read Namor before until you know, unless you showed up here and there every once in a while. But yeah, it you. I felt that you, as someone who's very new to the character, I thought you got his personality pretty well in this mm -hmm. book. So I would say it's pretty damn good. That's what I was looking for. Hit, hit a hit of Namor. How the hit of Namor hit you? Yeah, I like this. Um, I thought that this was uh, a pretty good like encapsulation of how he handles business. Mm -hmm. um, I really kind of wish I was more familiar with uh, some of what's going on with other characters in relation to the story. That's not the fault of the comic. That's just me like oh, okay, what's going on here? Mm, um, sure, sure. But th that's that's not that important because really it's it's about what's going on with Atlantis and I think that part is quite clear. Um, I think that uh, I there's something about it where I kind of wish it went... I don't know what I want, um, but I wish that it went a little further mm -hmm. with... <clears throat> excuse me. With um, some of the stuff with, with Atlantis... Um, some of it is is not being able to <coughs> quite grasp uh, all of the characters that are in the Atlantean group. Sure, sure. I'm wishing that I had a little bit more of them, um, but that's more just like wanting more of the story than it is uh, a knock on what's here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I... Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, uh, I think yeah uh, uh, the the. I don't have much to say about this. I don't think I think it's just really fun. <laughs> to be honest, I just think it's a fun yeah. story and I wanted you guys to read a name more comic. Uh, that yeah. I, in it. Well, I, I will say I actually liked how this I mean, this took place after the first Civil War. And also, mm -hmm. I like I mean, I thought the what they talked about with Namor, how he fought with Captain America, but then lost and then he's just like, oh, whatever, I'm just gonna chill out. And this whole thing between him and even though you could tell that Namor does not like the service world, but he doesn't want to go to all-out war, and he's trying to be like, I did all this stuff for you. Look, I suffered wounds, and yet you still don't trust me? Mm -hmm. And I kind of also... Actually, I kind of like how the book ends. Like, both epilogues, I thought were really, oh, I love how were really neat. Oh, yeah. um, I, I don't want to, like, jump too far ahead. I mean, but if we can't, because I love how like, when they go through Atlantis, and they find out, oh, shit, there's no one here, and then they find those big old tunnels, and Tony Stark's mm -hmm. like, they're like, hey, how many people do you think you're kidding here? <laughs> Everyone. And it's oh, yeah. just like, hey, Atlanteans could be living next to you. But I also I kind of want to say I kind of pinged who Namor was talking to the whole time early on. I was like, that's got to be Doom, right? It has to be Dr. Doom. It's a surprise, it totally is. I like that. I like it a lot. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, looking more at these pictures now that, I, that I'm starting to remember more of it because I did read this uh, earlier in the week. Um... Uh, I love the idea of this was also written in like 2006, 2007. So like it is, it is very much post 9/11. Like there's tons of mentions of terrorists and like it is very much like there's literally the reflection of the tower into yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is very much uh, uh, politically driven with with 
with the idea of having sleeper cells in a time where that this is actually happening, quote unquote, in America, right, right, right. So uh, I think all that's done very well. Uh, uh, it, it, it is reflecting the time that it's in, but it's also like doing it in a way where it makes sense for Namor, who is someone whose nation is now public and he is placing sleeper cells all over the world just in case, because you never know. Like, and as as the leader of a big ass country, I guess that's what you do. You you install sleeper cells. I watch the Americans. Uh, there's a hidden sleeper cell that just blowing shit up, and like because uh, uh, Namor isn't hard enough for Atlantis. Like he he's too soft on the surface world. Uh, uh, which is what I thought the plot of this of Wakanda Forever was going to be, because uh, this happens with Atuma in the '80s as well, where he doesn't think Namor is a good enough leader. Um, I I think this book is pretty fun. Uh, Venom shows up. He goes to the X Men. I well, because you brought up Venom, I actually really like the Venom scene. Um, yeah. I, I thought that was really cool. It's Matt Gargan as Venom at the at this the point. Scorpion during the Thunderbolts run. Hell yeah! I really, I, I thought Venom is it, Venom is portrayed very interesting because he's got eyeballs. We you can see like red eyes within the white, uh, big eyes. Normally, it's the white eyes are just the thing. Um, I, I really like how like gross and goopy Venom is. So I really like how the art is portraying Venom. I like that. I like that that thing where it's where he's it's like I always wanted to rip off your wing feet or whatever he does. It's rip, rip yeah, it's, off it's your a, wings. It's a good fight scene. Yeah, I do like. I do like. I think all the fights in, in the comic are pretty good. And the way yeah. he takes his tongue in return, I thought was oh, really good. Yeah. Um, my favorite bit, I think, in the whole thing is um, yeah, Sue is when he's walking out with Sue and she says, I, I truly am sorry that things have come to this for you and your people. And like really putting this totally on Namor's shoulders. And uh, I think what they do really well is the, the Sue one day you will realize that feeling something and doing something are two very different things, uh-huh. um, which I think is very good because like, there's an amount of, I think that Namor doesn't handle the conversations very well that he's trying to have with people. But I also think that like, people uh like you get xavier especially like wow what a hypocrite um uh (laughs) coming down on namor for having these sleeper cells and he's like because of that i will not help you even though like namor is there trying to say like okay but i like need to find these people or human beings are gonna die um and the way that a lot of these allies so-called allies uh are not willing to engage with him on that level because where he's who, saying yeah. like something is out of control and they're like yeah but you have sleeper cells here and he's like cool like um one Still. of them is not mine and is the one causing the problem so like i'm here to help yeah uh and i i think that there's an amount of something really well done in that um and and i and i appreciate it yeah, uh, yeah. and i also like the uh the the story of his son um uh, kamar yeah i love i so yeah i forget that I forgot that this happens that after um, Namorita, who is a who is a who is a part of the New Warriors, who's a teenage uh, Namor, gets killed in Civil War because of Nitro. And I forgot that that Atlantis takes Nitro into into, into holding, <laughs> and then Nitro gives his power to a, to a mutant Atlantean to go do more terrorism stuff. And I forget all that shit happens. And like, I think the the what makes this book fun for me is is the finale is with nitro and with kamar because it just shows like how brutal Namor can be and like yo you're my son do you think i did all this to hurt you i did it to protect you and now look what you did you wanted to be king of atlantis here you go you're king of atlantis that is some hard shit that is some baller shit you're the last king of atlantis yeah and like how that's how the comic opens with like Namor dead you're like you know Namor doesn't die but like that was a fun enough mystery for me right i i enjoyed the book and like and it's fun seeing Namor go to Xavier and like, oh, you know, you know, uh, you guys are 500 years old. You guys were technically the first mutants. Ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, oh, Xavier. Um, he, there's very much like a, a 
it's a it's a shame that that like the way that it is that namor can't try to do anything for for his son Mm -hmm. um you know he 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 sees him as already too far gone and you know his actions are are regardless of like the fact that they were done based on lies like they are uh far too treasonous for him to indulge Mm -hmm. um but this there's this notion of uh you know karma really feeling like he can uh prove that you know like nothing nothing from daddy means shit to me and that kind of thing and uh and how quickly he's chanting that i'm not afraid to die and then it doesn't show him again but you hear his cries of no please father, father uh and as, no namor's got goes. just black dead eyes <laughs> mm-hmm. um and uh and i thought that was all really well done i i, I think that that's a good um it's a good Black Adam story for Namor. I think that yeah. <laughs> yeah. it it really it really truly tells who who he is yeah. as a sovereign uh, very well. Yeah, uh, I will agree. There is oh, go ahead, Brian. Sorry. Well, I was just gonna say I, because we're talking a lot about how he is as a sovereign, and I just wanted to put in just like I really like the idea that instead of killing the instead of killing uh, the 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 trees the tree the the trees and people the traitors the traitors um uh, is that they cut off, he cuts out the right <laughs> yeah. hand as a reminder. To, to them i think that's that's really good because like yes he's really ruthless and he'll remind you why he, that he's really ruthless but he's like killing you killing you all would actually just make things worse so i'm just going to remind you that you shouldn't have done this so what i think is really funny is that um about that is i i think you're right i think that was really powerful and and, and well done but um when they go to the end and they're all spreading themselves across the planet um there's just a, a bunch of new people with only with no right arms <laughs> yeah just uh seeding into the population i guess yeah that's pretty good um there is an awesome ending where where yeah l- l- where asgard is in a place that's of people with atlantis and and then a lot of them end up in a uh, latveria with my boy dr doom that storyline y'all does not go anywhere because atlantis gets just reset and everyone's just back in atlantis i was gonna next... ask because that's a big bummer yeah and i went looking <laughs> for it because i'm like yo this story's awesome and as far as i can tell this shit just gets ignored and uh if i ever write comics the end question mark yeah, yeah. if i ever write comics in the future i will come back to the story hey remember in 2008 when this happened i'll be there uh yeah 100 doesn't exist anymore but um... that's interesting <laughs> yeah. i remember i remember reading um i think it's aaron's avengers early when namor starts showing up um he and he's like rebuilding uh atlantis like he's he's calling everybody from atlantis back i thought that was where where like the the end point of that but i guess it's been it happened again <laughs> atlantis as people were scattered there have been multiple events uh uh that, that atlantis has been part of also there was a new atlantis attacks which is like a like a reusing of the name from the miniseries from the 80s uh where bad shit happens in atlantis with the with the champions of atlas and stuff so uh atlantis is always having stuff mucked with i'm curious now that that talocon like i don't think they're going to turn talocon into atlantis in the comics like I, I i don't they should they they don't need to do that uh but i'm hoping atlantis gets comes back in resurgence cuz like namor has always been a big character uh in marvel comics like again like he showed up in in aaron's avengers all, like uh showing up all the time um yeah, I love Namor. He's I I just have a thing for ruthless dictators with a hard soul. <coughs> Remember when he told the X Men to go after themselves when they came to him for Krakoa? Hell yeah! Hey man, he's still he's still a mutant. Like because you know. that's what their thought was. If I remember correctly, during House of X, Powers of X, and they're like, "Hey, you're a mutant. Why don't you you have a place in Krakoa?" And he's like, "You fools! Why are you you're playing you're playing at building a nation and like he let's look at them as like children." To, and I thought that was really cool. 
It is actually, God, it's so funny that you say that because after after this happens in 2007, Namor shows up in, in the 2010 X-Men run and joins the X-Men's team. That's funny. And I'm like, oh, continuity, schmontinuity. All right, anything else? Nah, Namor's a cool dude, blows up his sons. It's my turn next week. I don't know what it is, so I'll let you guys know it a little later in the week. Whoop, whoop. I have a few. I have a few picks um, I'm going through. All right. That'll do it. That's 305 in the bag. I almost was going to do Wakanda forever, but I didn't feel comfortable doing it. Uh, next week, it's looking like we're going to review the new Netflix film Slumberland. So stay tuned for that. And if it decides if we end up not doing that, stay tuned for whatever that is. Yep, yep, yep. Um, make this... Uh, oh, I'm going to take a breath and, and then do this again. All right, like this video, subscribe to this channel, guys. If you like to, if you like what we, if you like what we do here, if you like what we, what you see, why don't you check out some of our other shows, such as Fake Nerds Watch, which has going through Star Wars Andor, new episode dropping soon, House of the Dragon, new episode dropping soon, and uh, we'll we'll be doing Willow when that drops uh, at the end of the month. So stay tuned for that. Uh, should be all fun stuff all around. Basement Arcade. Uh, of course, you can check out Basement Arcade, which is our video game series. There are two episodes in the description below, uh, both of which are Elden Ring. Um, if you want to check out Ben becoming the Elden Lord, I guess is a sentence there. Um, sure. That's an accurate sentence. Cool. Um, you can check out that uh, those videos uh, right now. And you can check out, of course, other videos uh, for Basement Arcade. Basement Arcade, pause menu, our video game discussion series. You can check out on this channel as well. Fake Nerd Book Club and Animation Station are also on this channel. Again, like this video, subscribe to our channel, check them out. Or you can find our Patreon and our Public. If you'd like to support us financially, support us there. Uh, if you like what we do and you want to see more of it, check, click those links. Maybe buy a t-shirt. Who knows? Um, you know what? Birthday present to me, uh, for, from the audience to, to me, buy a t-shirt. <laughs> uh, those are linked below or you can find them on our website at fakenerdpodcast.com where you can find links to everything uh, as our landing page but the link to that is in the description too thank you to everyone who listens we greatly appreciate it thank you to everyone who watches the live show uh, thank you to everyone who watches the rewind uh, the next day we greatly appreciate all of your support we love you guys thank you to Jeremy Vellucci uh, for all the music you heard here tonight and all of the music for all of our shows, you can find his podcast, or sorry, his, you can find him at Jeremy Vellucci underscore Wreck of Time, which is his band, Wreck of Time. Uh, you can check out, of course, uh, his music there. Um, or you can find his show, Suburban Proctologist Official, on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, no, that's not Facebook. Instagram is Subproc Podcast. Of course, you can find it on iTunes. Grayson, good night, sir. He's in the Goodbye, chat. Sir. Thank you, sir. Saying, night, night. Thank you. Of course, you can check out Mike Matola. Mike Matola is a wonderful collaborator, friend of ours. Did a couple of our logos, collaborated with a couple of other things. Check it out at my check him at, at check him out at Mike Matola on Instagram and TikTok. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Fake Nerd Podcast. Fake Nerd Guys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm a BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for kaijiramamedia.com. I also write for atomicgeekdom.com, where you can find my uh, tr my trying tribute to the late Kevin Conroy. Or and you can find my work on screenrant.com, uh, where I write a bunch of lists that uh, people read sometimes. Ben? 
You can find me enjoying mine and Brandon's birthday week at Ben Magna 27 on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can also find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fusion Gaming Magazine, and GoNintendo.com. As we said earlier, my latest Go Nintendo piece about how the Pokemon trading card game for the Game Boy Color is very fun to play and to learn how to play the game is linked down below. So go ahead and check that out. Sparks, uh, you can find me. Uh, looking for his hand on the back of my shoulder at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter, S P A R K Z Witty. Ryan. Hey, y'all. You can find me definitely being wrong that there's more than one Black Panther and Black Panther Wakanda forever at DJ Tony Snark 616. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcast, and Pandora. Rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Like this video, subscribe to this channel. Until next time we see us, guys, stay fake, nerds.